0: Ladies and gentlemen, the prosecution is not going to get that man today, no, because I'm going to get him!
1: It is thursday april 26 2018 it is day number 462 of the donald trump drain the swamp presidency and 344 days of his presidency being under attack by special prosecutor robert Mueller. notice i said special prosecutor there i and i mean that uh he is a special prosecutor special persecutor in my view uh, what we've got here is a persecution or prosecution this obstructionist agenda by the uh, progressive left by the communist left in order to take down america one brick at a time that's right and of course donald trump uh, is in the crosshairs it's interesting because we have uh, an environmental protection agency Administrator Scott Pruitt pushed back, pushed, pushing back against Democratic lawmakers, lawmakers questioning um, during the first of two Capitol Hill hearings. This on the Daily Caller website. Pay attention to this because these his opening remarks focused on policy, but... The left, the communist left, and I'm going to stop referring to them as progressives, I think, in conversation. The uh, progressive or the communist left, they wasted no time in in diving into accusations against the administrator. And Pruitt responded brilliantly, I believe, here. Listen to this. Let's have no illusions as to what's going on here. Those who have attacked EPA and me are doing so because they want to derail the President's agenda and priorities. You can put a period after that and you can apply that to every single agency within the deep state. Let me repeat that. Those who have attacked EPA and me are doing so because they want to derail the president's agenda and priorities this by scott pruitt epa incoming administrator uh and it's the, uh, the the communist or the democrat democratic socialist maybe that's the word uh so people can understand or at least we can have a conversation because communists turn people off or they don't quite understand uh democratic fascist, democratic socialist, democratic communist, same thing. Yeah. It's but, amazing the yeah. power
2: of the label. How, uh, yes, you know the word progressive uh being substituted for communism when communist is, is the accurate word, more accurate than progressive, but you just you say progressive and uh you can have the communist actions there and nobody nobody notices or cares, but
1: that, they that, don't call correct. us a communist. Well, no, and we're looking at a full communist takedown. You know, I, I've said this before. Matt Bracken spoke about her, Diana West, a brilliant writer, brilliant author, American Betrayal. You're tired of me here. You're, I'm sure you're tired of hearing me say, talk about Diana West. Um, brilliant, just an absolutely brilliant writer. You know what I did? i got to tell you this uh, to the listeners and viewers. I, I have I deliberately withheld the interview from her, the segment part of the interview deliberately I'm waiting for the right time and now is the right time to bring this out when she was on the show I don't know a number of weeks ago now is the right time because we, we have to really address what's really going on here and I think the historical backdrop that she paints that she provides the fact that and Matt Bracken alluded to this yesterday. You know Uranium One that's going on the uh, under Hillary, Diane Rodham Clinton? Make no mistake about it. The first uranium scandal was not under Hillary Clinton and Mueller and that group. No, it was under Franklin Delano Roosevelt, perhaps the biggest communist of them all. And I don't know whether you caught his conversation, caught that in his remarks, Matt Bracken, last night uh dot com is his website. Show him some support. Let him know you heard him on the Hagman Report. We've got the most loyal listening audience on the on the on the planet, and I've, I've got to tell you, um, we appreciate that. This, by the way, keeps guests coming back. You can even send an email uh or a tweet, Twitter thing, to Diana West, uh asking her when she's coming back on the show. She'll come back. I mean, it's just, you know. Hey, I heard you on, on, the, on the Hagman Report. I'd like to have you come back. But we need to show the support. We need to show solidarity. I'm tired of this circular firing squad among conservatives. I'm tired of this. Let, let me say something else that probably won't sit too well with many people. Maybe half the people out there I might alienate with this. But you know what I'm tired of, too? I'm tired of this Me Too movement. All right? Cosby, Bill Cosby, verdict guilty today. And, you know, it's one of the most, based on my experience, one of the most uh, difficult things is to read a jury, all right? It's very difficult to read a jury. Now, you can somewhat read through the tea leaves when they come back and say, I've got a question about this or that. But you just don't know sometimes what a jury is going to do. That's why they have jury profilers. People get paid a lot of money to sit next next to a defense attorney and um, I mean a lot of money and engage in the profiling of jury uh, members potential jury members potential jurors I guess and it's interesting but this Me Too movement I'm getting tired of this I have seen things one of the most in my view and to those people who are transcribing every word of this program just make sure you get this right one of the most egregious me too situations in my personal opinion was of that that woman I'm not going to name her name because I, I don't want to give her any insight or any uh, uh, uplifting oxygen or whatever the, the The woman who attacked Sean Hannity and it was on my good friend Pat Campbell's radio show made national news it took him by surprise Actually, I, I'm because of potential litigation. <laughs> I should throw up my hands. I, but because of potential litigation, I can't really talk about that. Except to say, I, I guess I can say that I took him by surprise. When the when on uh, KFAQ at Tulsa, Oklahoma, Sean Hannity, a regular guest on this program, um, this woman was has, was a regular guest on on this program. and And she said, "Oh yeah, Sean Hannity did this, 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 and this." And you can—I'm not going to repeat the allegations or anything, but, but, in my view, that's Exhibit A, or perfect example of hijacking the Me Too movement, or the Me Too meme, or whatever the word of the day is. I don't like the word meme. I don't like the word narrative. I don't know what. You know what? I—I just—I'm—I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. Give me a—give me a pencil. A date book, vented windows in my vehicle, manual locks, okay? An 8-track player, and I'm good to go. You know, it's funny about the the words you don't
2: like to use. I have several myself that any time I hear them, I cringe inside. And they're words that people use all the time on our radio show, and I guess it's just a personal preference or quirk. But, uh, I know, you know I know, I know, it's, I know. It's aggravating, and, and, you know, you could hear the some of these words that I hate a hundred times and not blink an eye, but every time I hear it, it's like, a my uh, soul I, dies I, a little inside. <laughs> Seriously. It's, it, it's a little dramatic, isn't it? It is, it is, but it's rough. I mean, when, when you hear a word and instantly, you know, the, the hairs on your neck stand up and you get that, uh, jolt of anger just from hearing a word, yeah, there's something wrong there, so I don't, I don't know.
1: Yeah, my, my safe space. All right, we we uh, you know what? I'm, ca- I'm I'm calling the geek squad. We're we're going to get the geek squad in here to 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 manually wire that mic up uh because Eric's throwing some one-liners out there. You got to hear it. Okay, so uh yeah, he, that
2: thing's just been sitting there. Well, I
1: he, 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 I'm going to tell you, okay, the guy's busy. He he's like he needs like another arm and two other clones. He's busy. So I get it, but um Eric the tech, if you can follow him at real tech on Twitter. Real tech. Real tech. Eric. Eric. What I say? Real tech at Twitter. Okay, Real, Real tech, tech Eric. At- I thought I said I. I don't know. My, I was talking. I had a long talk with Steve Quayle today. Uh, it's it, 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 boy, you should see, you should hear some of the back channel conversations hmm. we have. Oh my goodness. Um, anyway, Just start a new uh, Patreon level with the recordings. <laughs> recording no, I don't think seeds. so. I don't think so. That'd be funny. Uh, no, no, no. That would that'd be funny. Yeah. Uh, funny, yeah. Uh, all I can say is wow. You know, just just wow. And and I look. By the way, I want to thank the the woman who spent so much time on the letters. Wow, that I've got hanging in my office. Uh, yeah how, how gracious uh, you know i, I just i, I uh, thank you and the other uh the, the, a couple of people well, i 'm at at nancy stone who who painted just this gorgeous uh painting oil painting of King our iconic studio dog which is the uh which is with, built within our logo but she uh, 've got we 've got this oil painting in uh, uh, in my home, actually, mm-hmm. it's not in my studio, but in my home, and it's just front and so center. So in the, it's
2: cute. like the main piece of art in the uh,
1: house. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you. And, and the there is another uh, woman. And by the way, if you don't mind, I know you know who you are. Okay, so I am not going to be because I, I don't want to. But if you, if the, the woman who made or makes made makes whatever the, the the pens and pencils out of Jerusalem wood.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Please send me an email. Okay, Doug at HagmanReport.com. She lives in Florida. Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I've got her name, but I, I don't have your email address. So if you don't mind, please send me an email saying, This is my email address. And I'm looking for the woman who the email address for the woman who and I'm I don't want to say her name on because I don't want to violate anyone's privacy, but Jerusalem Wood pen and pencil sets. Um uh, just gorgeous, so uh, just send me an email either studio at hagman and hagman dot com or doug at hagmanreport dot com all right but uh, getting back to the issue here i 'm not a fan i 'm not liking this me too movement specifically with respect to look I, I, this is not about guilt or innocence, for example, of Bill Cosby, except to say, look at the look at the Tenacity. I don't know what other word to use, of this district attorney in Pennsylvania that went after Bill Cosby. I mean, this guy, it was almost as if his career depended upon a conviction.
2: Oh, I'm sure. The first time, nothing. Right.
1: The first time. You know, hung jury. Second time. Mistrial. mistrial. Thank you. Yeah. Through hung jury. Correct. Second time. We're going after him. Now, this guy is 80 years old. Justice delayed is justice denied. Yes. Now, at 80 years old. What's this all about? Now, again, this is not about his, in my view, I'm not talking about his guilt or his innocence, nor am I really talking about Bill Cosby alone. I'm talking about the Me Too movement. Yeah. I see it hijacked. I I see see, some problems with that.
2: You know, one of the things uh, that makes this... A case this Cosby case different from others is this was the first part of the Me Too movement that we've seen actually, uh, taken to a court of law and somebody charged and found guilty. Now I imagine with the amount of accusers and, and, uh, the background that he is guilty of some of these improprieties, but either way, if he is, I believe he's been doing this his whole career and the timing of this seems off. Uh, definitely. And yeah. to, uh, just make another point to you know if you're going to take sides who's spearheading this me too movement it's the gloria all reds it's the you know the, the the roy moore accusers it's the same hollywood cult that is involved in the the pedophilia and all these other twisted uh, immoral movements and actions and you have to ask and question the motivations as to why now and and why are they targeting the people that they're targeting because I think there is a lot I, I, more
1: here than just I,
2: real legitimate accusations.
1: Very well said, Joe. Extremely well said. And part of this as well, uh, oftentimes, now I've got a pretty vast library. We do collectively and individually. Uh, and I, I love books. You, you know, you guys know how much I love books. And I, I love first editions. And I love, uh, I just, I just, it's, I, there's two things that I really, really like. Books, good books, and fine art. And When I say fine art, I'm not talking about this uh, this crud that passes for art. I'm talking about okay. the Hudson River School painting style art, if you know what I'm talking about, the original uh, Hudson River School uh, oil paint, paintings by the masters out there. I love those paintings because they draw you into the scene, the landscapes. And the reason I mention this is what we're witnessing. Have you noticed how books are becoming passé in favor of, again, the, the the limited number of characters on Twitter, as well as fine art being, and this is over the last 40, 50 years, how it's being replaced with garbage, Andy Warhol, junk this is an attack on our culture, and, and it's, I'm saddened because we had a, uh, a grandchild, uh, my, my granddaughter was born yesterday, a brand new granddaughter. And, you know, I, I would, I look at her and, and I would like her to grow up in a world of fine art. I would love for her to grow up in a world of, of, of normal, uh, of beauty, not perversity. We're, but see, I guess I'm too idealistic. Well, there is so. a
2: chance for that. I mean, we see this so often, and and I don't know why this is, but this phenomenon in our culture where uh, things that are oppressed, things that are uh, marginalized and demonized, have a tendency to come back around as being, uh, you know, something that's cool or hip or uh, attractive to young people. To whereas you saw the uh, counterculture of the the '60s and '70s as anti-war uh you know hippie type culture start as this uh you know minority move to this majority where it is today where you could see the conservative minority that we have today as some kind of super majority in 5 10 20 years and these things restored it it might come back around we don't know um and it might fall in that same time but there you is know, a possibility we can
1: we can pray it does come we can pray that, that it, it, it does come back around but I, I'm um, it, you know I, I, I saw a tie today <laughs> i like ties it uh, across all across don't give up the ship don't give up the ship don't give up the ship and that's what we have to look at it a little little ship and a little anchor and and uh we have to look at that we you know we can never say in my view we, we can never say it's a, it's a lost cause or no hope um we have to believe that we we you and i and Joe and all of us individually and together that we can enact change. Because once you stop believing that, where do you go from there? When when you say you know what, there's nothing we can do about it. So so what? Where do you go from there? You, you don't go anywhere. You sit on, you know, on your on your butt in front of the television set and you watch. Uh, I don't know, housewives of whatever. Right. That's pretty much. Uh, what you're relegated to. By the way, did you, Eric the Tech, did you do something with these lights? I, I just saw on the monitor. It looked like I crawled up a coffin. My color, the color, uh, whatever. Yeah, okay. Now I'm glad gotta, you weren't my Got to get out in the Got to get out in the sun again. All right, yeah, we we got a good show lined up for you tonight. Uh, yeah, we do. Uh, John Lovell is going to come on at the bottom of the hour, and then of course we've got. Um, uh, Daniel Horowitz, uh, just a magnificent man, Daniel Horowitz can write like I've never seen uh, his columns are right on the money then Alicia Powell is coming on at the top of the second hour and then of course Craig Sawyer, um, going to close out the show, so we got a great show lined up for you
2: This is a, a great article from the Liberty Daily on the blaze Our lawless judiciary threatens the constitutional balance of powers like never before and I want to get uh Mr. Horowitz's uh, opinion on what we're seeing With the, the judicial activism But uh, this article starts out by saying In case you missed it, a federal judge ruled earlier this week That the Trump administration could not end The deferred action for childhood Arrival programs that was Instituted via executive fiat By his predecessor Astonishingly a judge A Bush appointee ruled that not only Could the Trump administration not deport Current DACA residents, but they had to continue taking new Applicants. The article goes on To talk about uh, the policy making and the judicial overreach and legal challenges that these judges are uh, getting us involved in by really putting their ideology uh, ahead of the law, ahead of the Constitution, and voting based on an opposition to Donald Trump or for an ideology. And that gets us into a lot of trouble. And my question is, how, what, what does it take to, to change after we'll say a federal judge uh, rules on something like DACA, rules on something in an unconstitutional manner is it the appellate court's duty is how does this get rectified after a ruling like this hmm. that's my question what can the people do do they have to lean on their congressman do they have to <laughs> uh, you know write letters to the supreme court what does it take to affect the change back to the constitutional rule of law rather than this ideological
1: push for changing the law We've got to adhere to the Constitution as it was intended and written. The more I look at, the more I study the Obama, eight years of Obama, actually the entire, throughout my entire adult life, the more I realize how far away from the intent of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights we've gone. And we've got to get back to the Constitution period the constitution as it, as it was written it's not a living breathing document it is a document of limitations it's a document of 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 uh, what government can and can't do basically it, it's it's a delineation the bill of rights is a deli- de- delineation of our god given rights okay our god given rights it, they just spell it out basically and, you know, the people, have you noticed that people want to take away our God-given rights, especially the people mm-hmm. who don't believe in the God of the Bible? It is those people who want to take our rights away. By the way, I received an email from Pat. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your email. And I just, just to keep it with the flow here, you know, Pat writes, you are relating Bill Cosby to the Me Too movement, but in reality, his case started years before the Me Too movement. Exactly. You, no, I, it, that's stipulated.
2: But they, if you read so the, uh, are, Wait a
1: minute. Are, so are, are you sure... I just want to do well by Pat here. Um, so are you sure his case is part of it? No, I'm not. Well, I, me, I let guess let I thought of this.
2: Uh, from the AP. The comedian was convicted Thursday of drugging and molesting Andrea Constant in his suburban Philadelphia home 14 years ago. In a verdict, women's advocates called a turning point in the Me Too movement and proved what Cosby's accusers have been saying all along. And then the article goes on to uh, cite Gloria Allred, who... Also references the Me Too movement, saying that uh, finally women are uh, able to be believed again and that this Me Too movement actually uh, is making a difference in people's lives.
1: Well, okay. Now hold that so thought. So they're with, equating it okay. to the Me Too movement. Right. But hold that thought because there's another component to this, as Pat relates, which fits right into All Red and all these other people. Um, and that's a sweeping statement. But, 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 writes Pat, did you notice the minute Cosby. He spoke up against abortion. His accusers started coming out of the woodwork. Coincidence? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Now, that's what is going to talk about. Right. The, right. As soon as he started
2: having uh, conservative points of view and making those public, that's when the heat and the pressure began to rain down on him with the accusers. And if this was an issue in the later part of his career, 14 years ago, then this was an issue in the beginning parts of his career. Oh, absolutely. And if they really wanted to go after him based on his behavior... I'm sure they had all the ammunition in the world, and that's why we ask, what, what is the motivation for this today? Very, very, very true. And related to what we're seeing with Kanye West, uh, who has had some trouble in, the recent, in his recent past. He's married to Kim Kardashian. He had, uh, I guess, canceled or, or changed a tour he was on overseas because of what some say was a nervous breakdown. But he has come out in support of President Trump Saying I don't have to agree with everything he does, but uh, I do love the man, and he's been taken to the woodshed by the left. And what they're doing now is they're they're bringing up these old references to mental health and his nervous breakdown that he had a year or two years ago. Saying, well, uh, you know, he's he's uh he's going through another uh, mental health crisis, and to the point where his wife uh, Kim Kardashian, the the uh, you know uber celebrity. And his mother-in-law and, and members of the Kardashian family are actually coming out against the media, sticking up for Kanye West. And it's really interesting to see uh, the lines being drawn by people. I mean, it, it, he lost 9 million followers in 24 hours because of a tweet supporting the president. That should tell you what kind Let of that culture sink war
1: we're in. Let that sink in because that's important. 9 million, 9 Nine million, million followers. followers in 24 hours. Yep. Let that sink in. Went from twenty-seven million to eighteen million in
2: twenty-four hours. Okay,
1: and we are not at the precipice of of a a civil war. I mean, a a shooting civil war. I think we are. It's just a matter of time. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's just a matter of time. I said this back in twenty thirteen, when I was warned that back in twenty thirteen, and the and even two thousand and eight, I was warned about this. The, that that this is where we were headed. They want to push us into that that position, by the way, and it is what, it's true. But
2: and they're starting to eat their own. Again, uh, I want to take us out with this piece. I don't know how many people have been following what's been going on with Joy Reed, the host of AM Joy over at MSNBC. She somebody dug up a blog of hers from 2007, and pointed out some she to erase homophobic and and transphobic tweets which uh people were really you know who were on the left were at her defense but then it came out that she you know quote unquote fat shamed rosie O'Donnell. yeah I read, up, that, or, I read that i read that stuck yeah. up for donald yeah. trump now the uh the daily beast suspended her and these other pe- uh, organizations are distancing themselves from her but it wasn't about the the there was some know. poetic justice there though it wasn't about the homophobia it wasn't about the the transphobia not until it came out that she supported President Trump over Rosie O'Donnell back in two thousand and seven did they start saying, "Well, hey, you know, we're going to have to uh, suspend her, her column at the Daily Beast. We're going to have to, uh, you know, we're going to have to really see if this was a hack." She's claiming that her blog was hacked and this was planted there. It obviously wasn't. But yeah, that's
1: that's the story. But they're starting that's to that's eat their own, and you that's see the, the my story. I'm sticking to it. The dissension
2: from Kanye West to this Joy Reid, um, they're really. Uh, we're seeing signs of what we see on the right The people cannibalizing uh, The people who support them uh, The most sometimes and, and I don't know I, I think uh, to take somebody to task For something they said 15 years ago When they've been uh, promoting your ideology And your side heavily Over the last 5-10 years You'd think they'd forget about what happened In the distant past But apparently not They're ready to throw her under the bus Like she said it yesterday So it'll be interesting to watch oh, How this plays out justice Yeah We'll be right back after, when we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by debut guest John Lavelle. Check out his YouTube channel, The Warrior Poet Society, and we're going to talk to him uh, when we come back. This is a, a very decorated veteran, and he teaches self uh, firearms and self-defense classes, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
1: When report for today, April 26, 2018. John Lovell is coming right up. John Lovell, by the way, War Warrior Poet Society, he's a credentialed full-time tactic, uh, tactics and firearms instructor and is an NRA instructor. He teaches uh, over 20 different classes, night vision, low light tactics. I mean, this guy is big on situ- situational awareness. And I was thinking about this, and I have been thinking about this since since the Waffle House shooting the Toronto attack and such and you know it's so important it's more important today than ever before that you because we care about you you know when I, when I, when we looked in the eyes of the people at the conference occupy 2018 to to actually meet you and to to really understand, to to see you i just i i it, i worry about our listeners and viewers and and i worry about my family um when i say worry i'm uh, don't take that as uh, I, I'm concerned, and I like to be aware of my surroundings. I won't go in any place that says "gun free zone" or "no no weapons allowed." That's just a shooting gallery, sitting sitting ducks. Um, but I, I guarantee you this: more than ever before today, you need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to not only do you need to be aware of your surroundings, but you also need to really have a full comprehension of the Second Amendment, because. This is going, to, I mean, we, the first and second amendment are under attack. The second amendment is, they want to change the second amendment. There's nothing with respect to the second amendment that needs changed, needs modified. It, it, we don't have a gun problem. We have a people problem. We have a morality problem. We have a spiritual problem. That's what you have to know. But, but John Lovell is going to be here to talk about uh, situational awareness and let me know when we got him. He's got a great YouTube channel for those who are
2: unfamiliar with it. Subscribe to it. The Warrior Poet Society Uh, Just search John uh, Lovell J-O-H-N-L-O-V-E-L-L He does a whole host of uh, Different kind of of topics And just to run through some of his uh, Videos here that he's had Up uh, this week Aggression training for the Warrior Poet Uh, Shooters take notice is another one He also has the hilarious review Of the Vertex waterproof Jacket but he also uh, does Demos he does instructional videos He tells stories uh, his own personal war stories and other historical uh insights and information and it's a great all-around channel for not only uh, informational but also educational and historical information so
1: that's right, that's right and, and and make no mistake that uh that he he does a good job and again situational awareness when we're out because this is going to we're going to have a bigger problem with this you better when you're out um if if you've got a concealed carry license you better be carrying, because if you're not, to me, that's irresponsible. It's irresponsible to you, your family, and the people around you in today's environment. That said, welcome, John Lovell, to the Agwin Report. Welcome back.
3: Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks, guys.
1: Appreciate uh Good to be here. Yeah, you know, uh, we erroneously, or Joe erroneously said, I'm going to blame it on him, yeah. that um, the, the first you time guess. out. Yeah, no, you, you were with us uh, some time ago, and people loved you. Um, we. Before you before you came on, we we gave um, we gave it the, your background out. So let's get right into the talking points here. Let's get into situational awareness. of What happened at the Waffle House? Let's look at Toronto, um, and, and look at the reporting on this. Yeah, part we of was, the video of the Toronto attack came out
2: today too, yeah. and uh, it it shows the uh, some people getting out of the way. It doesn't show any of the impacts, but it also shows people walking cluelessly with a van. Speeding right behind them on the sidewalk.
1: I'll tell you what; I, I would be putting, uh, I would empty my, my my gun into the windshield of that, of that van or that uh, truck. But, uh, but John, talk to us about this. What's going on here in this in this dangerous world of ours?
3: Sure. Have you ever have you already told everybody about the general shooting at the Waffle House and given some context, or you want me to just kind of start from, like, oh, yes, scratch? Right from there.
1: start there? Because I, I'm not sure people have start there.
3: Sure, so uh, basically a naked piece-of-crap psychopath stormed a Waffle House at 3 in the morning just a few days ago, killing four and injuring four others. Uh, let's see, did it with a, uh, a gun, and when his gun went down, a hero, we know Jane Shaw Jr., a good warrior poet hiding amongst the fray, ended up initiating his own counter-ambush to neutralize the gunman, take away his weapon, and then the naked psychopath scurries away into the night to be later apprehended by police. So that's the general skinny on what went down. What's remarkable is that somebody charged a armed person when the typical response is to, it's to freeze, it's to hide, uh, or it's to... Uh, to, to escape. That's what people generally do. And it, and I, I love the anecdotal responses where generally folks who haven't made a lifestyle, a life study of violence, uh, or have ever really been in the midst of, uh, walking through the fire, so to speak, you never really know what you'll do. But I think it's very uncommon to be able to even read a situation, even if you're carrying, even if you've been to the gun range about many of us just don't know how we can respond because we don't, one, we've never been through it before, and that's excusable, and two, we don't even know some of the just different, very predictable physiological responses that are going to happen with our sympathetic nervous system responses, and as James Shaw was kind of recounting his tale of what had happened on different news interviews, he was talking about how it was all happening in slow motion and how he didn't initially even realize he was under attack. And how it was really, really confusing When I teach my tactical pistol, rifle classes Room clearing classes Typically there will be one point in all my tactical training classes Where I'll look at my students and I say Listen guys, whatever battlefield you ever find yourself on Whether it's military, it's law enforcement Or you're just a responsible uh, citizen like James Shaw Who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time Or the right place at the right time Uh, Anyway, uh, if I had to typify a battlefield using only one word Just one word I'd use the word confusing and it's just real hard to even read a battlefield and then make a decisive decision and, and go for it because all of us like to think that we'd rise the occasion and man if I was there I'd charge him but really that that's what makes his story remarkable that he did what so few had, did, had done I bet if you'd interviewed many of the patrons at Waffle House that night before the event said hey if somebody just came in here and start shooting what would you do and I bet a lot of Alpha dudes to rise up, kind of be like, I'd charge him, I'd, I'd throw stuff, but they didn't do that. Uh, but it, it makes his story real remarkable. I'm very proud of him, and uh, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. But I want to, talk, I've talked too long.
1: No, uh, you, you know what? You, you make a great point because uh, if you've never been shot at, I, I got to tell you, it takes, it, it does take a minute to. Uh, uh, I got to tell you, there's a lot of stuff going on up there. It takes a minute to really realize what's going on and and just processing that uh, if you've never been shot at or in that situation. I mean, I can understand uh, being a law enforcement, having a cop going into, into a dangerous situation, but if you're just sitting at the Waffle House having waffles at 3 in the morning, it, that's kind of, you don't expect to see that, basically. Is that what you're saying? Uh,
3: yeah, it's just saying we never really know how well we're, we'll react. Some people who may think, like, man, I may not react well at all, you you may rise the occasion and some people that feel very confident that they would rise the occasion may shrink from it i've been in my share of gunfights and uh sometimes i performed very well i'm still alive so uh you know it didn't do that bad but i remember a couple places just in my uh, special operations time and and just different uh, combat tours where I, i remember vividly two different freezing points and it wasn't as like a new soldier either but just when I was overwhelmed by the chaos and if somebody isn't even trained for that, it'd be very easy to freeze. It'd be very easy to just fail to understand really what was going on. And as your brain is thirsty for information and it's overloaded with all the fear and all the chaos, what happens is you're trying to make a decision. Uh, that's going to preserve your life The lives of other people around But a lot of times you feel like you don't have enough information So you get caught in this constant Feedback loop where you don't really Know what you should do You want to do something but you just aren't sure Of what it is and so you end up freezing As you're trying to break out of that loop And figure out what to do It's hard to be able to quickly read a battlefield Make a decisive uh, you know, uh Decision Have the resolve to accomplish it And then with a force of, of Rage and aggression be able to carry that out. It's a rare thing. And so uh, I guess that's why the story of heroes are so titillating. It's because they're rare. But even so, what it should do and where I'm going with all this is uh, let James Shaw Jr. be the exception. But for all the rest of us, let's make sure that we're training. Uh, let's make sure that we're always readying ourselves because I think one, let's be pro second amendment let's carry guns, but let's also train with them so that when if we find ourselves in the midst of the chaos, having to walk through the fire, so to speak, that we would be ready not just in what we carry but but in our minds and in our hearts, having that good warrior poet resolve right that that's all
2: well, you just uh talked about how different people are going to have different uh, behaviors in these situations. I want to ask you about the Department of Homeland Security. Active shooter, uh, manual where they have, uh, the run, hide, fight ideal, and that's what they promote. Uh, we'll say, do you think that this is a, a, uh, a sound plan for people in active shooter situations?
3: Uh, unless you have a armed populace that's trained, what, what else can you do? I mean, I, I think it, it's, I mean, right here, it's not a plan that's to, um, you know, play around in the ideal. Ideally, everyone would be carrying guns. They'd be trained in them, and it'd be like some naked psychopath comes into Waffle House, and right after his first shot, everyone shoots back. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. But uh, I think the uh, run, hide, shoot is dealing with the real right here and now, and and so it, it's had widespread acceptance. And overall, it gives people a plan. It gives something that. Uh, it's probably going to preserve life for people that are Second Amendment people, people who just have a different kind of that warrior poet ethos. I know I'm plugging my own brand here, but, I, but the, I chose those words from the sense of we're lovers of people. We're protectors of people. And when I carry a gun, I carry a gun every moment of my life, everywhere I go. I don't carry because I think I'm going to get mugged. I, I don't think bad guys are after me. Uh, You know, when they meet my eye line and I meet theirs, typically they, they just – You know, They go toward a softer target. Uh, I carry a gun so I can protect other people who don't carry. That's my main motivation. So when I don't carry a gun, if I walked out of my house, I'll feel guilty because what if someone needed me and I wasn't ready to stand in the gap? So uh, let everyone else run, hide, and then fight the best they can with bags of rocks and spatulas and charging armed gunmen with no guns. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us, those protectors – uh, that, that are committed to loving other people through their defense, the warrior poet ethos there. Let's train. Let's be ready. Let's, let's make sure that next time instead of four people dying, two people die. And some people will say, well, no, none die. Well, like, well, yeah, yeah, that's unfortunately not how ambushing predator uh, attacks work. Uh, there may be fallout sometimes worse than others, but, uh, we want to preserve life.
1: John Lovell is our guest. WarriorPoetSociety.us. WarriorPoetSociety.us. I would urge everyone to go there, follow uh, YouTube's uh, the, the uh, videos, tremendous videos. Uh, give us some insight into Warrior Poet Society. Give us some insight into the the name again, please, because I think it's so important.
3: Sure. So uh, we're we're more than just gun people. I mean, guns are good. Yay for guns. Yay for that. They're they're important. I mean, there's a reason it's our Second Amendment. Uh, But the first one, uh, which comes before it, obviously, is even more important. We're lovers of truth. We're lovers of people. We're just normal people, I I, I feel. You know, you wouldn't, we we don't give off like a a hardcore alpha male gun vibe. We're just normal people trying to love their uh, spouses better and be good dads and moms and and we're we're trying to excel in the workplace. Uh we have senses of humor and we're just uh a certain levity and joy to life. Real men uh, and then we can Real men Yeah, we're re- we're real men. Yeah. And then we also have this nasty switch that we can throw in a moment where we can absolutely decimate bad guys that threaten those we love. Uh so uh yeah, we are warrior poets. Uh Anyway, it. we're lion we're lions and lambs, and that's our movement. And it's growing in leaps and bounds. As I think a lot of the population identifies with that. Uh and uh you know I I founded the organization as looking in the gun industry where I'm kind of being pigeonholed into this mil- militaristic persona that didn't really fit of like, guys, I am more than gun I don't stay up late at night taking apart my AR fifteen, you know, singing the army song. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so, That's I, not new. Just a dude. I,
1: look, I, I got to make sure you're you're not compensating for your your male uh, endowment size or lack thereof by your AR-15, right? As the left likes to, you know, talk about. I'm sorry, the communists. Yeah. The, I, see, and, and this gets us into the Second Amendment. Talk about the Second Amendment. Uh, the communist left, the progressive democratic socialists, are so out of it, man. Uh, they've got no clue what the Second Amendment's all about. Can 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 you speak on that for, or would would you mind speaking on that a little bit?
3: Sure. I, I think there's a lot that goes in the Second Amendment, but I mean the, the history behind it, and just if if you look at the rise and fall of nations and any type of uh, any type of system of government for thousands of years, you can see that freedom always lends itself to tyranny, and so. The, the great wisdom in our founders were leveraging the, what could be known about nations in the past, and they decided to create the freest nation that has ever been conceived of and has not been rivaled since the dawn of man. Uh, so, uh, and what this, what they were basically recognizing is our rights to freedom of, of speech, our, our freedom of religion, our rights to Self-protection and self-preservation; these are our God-given rights, not government-given rights. The, the government's sacred job is to protect our God-given rights, but they don't endow us with those rights. And so, the First Amendment uh, and the First Amendment, which which basically is an uh, acknowledgement of our freedom, and the Second Amendment, which is right there to safeguard our First Amendment, and basically saying, "Hey, government." If you start to encroach on that freedom, if you violate the, that sacred trust, the Second Amendment that it gives us that God-given right to, press, uh, to preserve ourselves against a tyrannical government that would like to overthrow us. So really the Second Amendment is about protecting ourselves from a government. It's not about hunting. It's not about sport shooting. And so really the call to arms is basically allowing the populace the militia, which is every man, woman, and child, that's the militia as the founders saw it, to be able to defend themselves against the tyrannical government with the technology of arms. So whatever the military and whatever the government has in terms of militaristic weapons, the populace, which is not, not something apart from that, they are the militia as well, would also be able to defend themselves in kind. That's what they had in mind uh, with the Second Amendment.
2: Do you feel that Uh, after the parkland shooting after you know what we saw in newtown in 2012 this huge push this anti-gun anti-second amendment push like cnn and other networks are doing even other banks saying they're not going to uh, do business with gun companies do you think that this has an impact a negative impact on the overall psyche of the american people when it pertains to their second amendment rights
3: and I I'm I'm really just not a, a real big political figure. And so I wanna tread softly here. So and I and also would say that of when when I speak on tactics, when I speak on firearms, when I talk on situational awareness, the nature of fighting, the nature of violence, uh and that stuff, I'd like you guys to listen to me. When I speak on politics, I'd like you guys to take it with a grain of salt. Is that fair okay. enough? Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's not my arena. So here are just kind of my thoughts for whatever they're worth. I think it's it's pretty unethical to parade a bunch of 17-year-olds in front of the world in a media stunts to uh, advance your anti-gun agenda. I don't think they have – you know, I want to tread carefully here. Just um, uh, in some ways I feel like the left exploited some of these Parkland kids. Uh, so mm-hmm. – uh, Anyway, if I can help you yeah.
1: out here for a second, I don't believe it for one minute that a 17-year-old or a 16 or 17-year-old should be exploited by their parents for a political, uh, uh, political for the political agenda when their their minds have not formed, their their brains have not yet formed. I, I'm just telling you. I think to me this is child abuse. That that's kind of that, my view.
3: Yeah. So um. Here, I don't care what. The, here, guess, by the
1: way, I don't care what the cause is. You, I, I this may be yeah. where
3: I'm going with it. Go I, I watched James Shaw Jr. Uh, this is the hero of the Waffle House shooting. Uh, and he was in an interview, and, and they were trying to thrust the title hero on himself. And really, in this really humble display, he was saying, you know what, guys, I, I, I'm not the hero that you'd like to, to say. I was just trying to save my own skin, I'm glad I saved other people. But I was just saying, hey if he wants to kill me i'm going to make i'm going to make him work for it he was trying to save his own butt and he had the honesty to do that and he was really sitting on a ace's face the the media was really goading him of kind of like come on say it say it you're trying to rescue and i could feel him leading it and just kind of like in true humility he's almost stepping out of the limelight and saying hey guys i really i'm just trying to save my own butt and i just loved his uh you know his absolute uh, honesty and humility and when i contrast that with the proud and profane david hogg the 17 year old or you know, however old is he is that was is just grandstand who's so excited to speak in front of everyone yeah, i just noticed the tone to be very different one in, in humility an older dude shrinking back from the limelight and saying hey i was just doing my part and then hogg who's chanting no more and taking every interview he can possibly get. The One's running toward the limelight, and as I understand it, David Hogg wasn't even on the X during the Parkland shooting. He was in a completely different part of the school. He wasn't under fire. He wasn't in the Waffle House that uh, James Shaw was actually on. And so I I just noticed there was a stark contrast between the two, which put James Shaw categorically – in a in a whole different place, but I think the left is going to look for champions uh, to put their own agenda forth. People who can say stuff that maybe they can't get away with, but you can't attack these kids because they're kids. Exactly. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. Anyway, I, it ain't I just, cool. So Bully More you. than <laughs> I'm not as much after the kids. When I was a kid, I was a a kid. I mean, I thought I I was really passionate and thought I knew a lot. And after about 10 years, I realized, oh, I don't know as much as I want. <laughs> and then the 20 years after that, I'm like, man, holy cow. I just gave you guys a big warning when I started talking politics. I'm like, hey, man, I, I don't know a lot here. You guys need to not listen to me. <laughs> this is just my thoughts. This is not my area of expertise. But this is
1: why people I love you. Have, I mean, people. I would, uh,
3: I would. I wouldn't have done that as a 17-year-old.
1: Exactly. Uh, but uh, anyway. Exactly. No. And by, by the way, our, our guest uh, is John Lovell, Warrior Poet Society. US. By the way, I wish I would have thought of Warrior Poet Society. What a what a what a terrific uh, name, Warrior Poet Society. Thank you for that. And by the way, we're going to keep you. Um, through the, We're not going to take a network break. We're going to go right through it. So we you have an extra three minutes here because uh, every second of your time, I believe, is so valuable because of the feedback. You, people love you and they respect your position. Uh, are we headed to, into, a, into a civil war here given the fact that you've got to such divisiveness with respect to the Second Amendment, with respect to the responses to things like the Parkland shooting, the responses to the Toronto Waffle House, and the fact that the mere ownership of guns, the comment I made earlier, it was not directed at you, of course. It was, you know, how the uh, uh, democratic socialist, Marxist, Muslim, communist loving people like to say, well, if you have an AR 15, you're just overcompensating for your lack of, you know, manhood, to put it nicely. But I see this all the time. So, having said all that, we headed to a second war. Or, uh, are we going into a, uh, a civil war here, do you think?
3: Oh, I. That's, that's so far above my pay grade. Okay. I shrink even at the idea of answering that. I will say that I love my country and I'll love my country to the end. Uh, it, even if I had to ever witness it, uh, or my country tearing it apart until the end, I'd like to participate in the social media avenues that I am on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and really YouTube is the primary place that we're putting this out because I think a lot of,
1: uh, well, talk talk about that. Are a you being of, are you, talk about that? Are well, you being lot, censored or anything, or you've you demonetized?
3: I am, yes. okay. uh, I, I am being censored and demonetized in some uh, some ways and other ways, but we're still growing because I think there's a big movement in organic shares, and YouTube hasn't completely cut off the uh, the you know uh, faucet for me, but they certainly reduced the intensity. But uh, anyway, as I was saying, is we're just. You know, putting content out like this, I I believe that we're breaking down barriers, and I think there's as the the two uh, our nation's split in two, and, and as each side continues to la- yell louder and louder at the other one, I doubt any side is listening, and especially my generation, the millennial generation. I'm the oldest of the millennials. Uh, we are very passionate, and we are very very ignorant. We're, we're you know in in some ways and. And I just find my whole generation flocking uh, more toward this social justice uh, ideology. And what I, I want is us to be able to just have a conversation without calling each other Hitler. Hey, let's not do that. Let's let's just have a calm, cool conversation. We can disagree at the end of it. And I think having mediums where we can just discuss that, uh, I, I think that'll do a lot. Because uh, anyway, I, I'm I'm not.
1: No, I, I love
3: my country. I love people. Amen. And uh, anyway, I, I would like to have calm, cool conversations. Absolutely, right up until the time where uh, I I am forced to do differently.
1: It would be uh, nice I love to, people.
3: I love my country.
1: You, you know, John, it'd be nice to be able to push your your daughter, or your son on a swing in their backyard in peace and sit on the porch, you know, without worrying about this kind of stuff and that's, that's a great answer Joe I know you've got a listener or you had a couple of questions here for...
2: Well yeah John in, in the last five minutes here I want to talk about your YouTube channel because I I, uh, I really enjoy it and you have such a wide uh, spectrum of content and I want to kind of get some insight uh, The you, you do everything from the demos gear and gun section to instructional videos to your uh, war stories with John and even the historical you call it warrior uh, poets of the past and I just wanted to ask you, uh, where do you come up with your ideas to highlight some of the uh, the, the subject matter that you do, from the William Wallace uh, of history, uh, the Braveheart movie, um, to even some of your own stories that you share? What what motivates you to come up with the content that you do?
3: Oh, I have very, very sophisticated algorithms, and it just just <laughs> scores. Why are you laughing at me, guys? Just have an amazing team in our studio and analysts, and uh, it all comes to my it's on a whim, top of my head. <laughs> Have a dream about one. I'm like, you know what? I want to talk about so and so. And then I do it. And then I'm like, you know what would be really funny? Yeah. And then a buddy will, will goad me and then we'll make something ridiculous and then we'll make something real serious. But, uh, I don't know. We're, we're uh, we, we make serious content and then we make really ridiculous content because um, I don't think you should take yourself too seriously. Oh, no one else man. does.
1: <laughs> you, you know, that's so refreshing because in today's world, I, I just, you, just thank you for that. That's all I can say is thank you, period. Um, now, uh, the, well, Joe addressed the content on this. Uh, we've talked about the Second Amendment, civilian firearm training, civilian preparedness. By the way, do you offer any of that or do you, what do you recommend?
3: I, I do. Okay. Uh, I do. Uh, I do training around the country. Right now I'm in a hotel room. I'm in West Virginia, so I've spent all day in the car today. I'm doing tactical pistol and rifle classes uh, up here in uh, West Virginia. So uh, can, can, I just people... got back from Louisiana, so I travel the country. best way to check me out is uh, on my website. you got to stay a bit ahead of the power curve as uh, a as books out. Pretty quick uh in, okay. in advance. So um anyway, uh, that's tied to it. but I'm not the only game in town. There's some other uh, amazing instructors around the country. The best thing is find someone who's got kind of a holistic package for you. You're not a lot of folks and folks who follow me, they're not looking for firearms training. Firearms training's too broad. It's like, well, shooting coke bottles off your, you know, granddad's back porch. That's firearms stuff. But I'm not teaching I'm teaching gunfighting. That's, you could spend your entire life shooting guns and never actually spend one single day preparing for a gunfight. It's a different thing where fighter mindset, uh, tactics, knowing how to fight smarter, not just harder, uh, and, and then all the skills that are inherent are really necessary to overcome an ambushing predator when time is at a scarcity and fear is at a maximum. That's a tall order, and to blend all of it together into a holistic kind of a uh, something functional uh, that works—that's what you're looking for. Somebody with kind of the, the the bigger picture. I'm not the only game in town.
1: You, you might uh, not be the only so game in lot. town, but you're you're a doggone good game, I'll tell you that. You know what you're talking about, and I would I would put. And I'm not just looking at your schedule of events. By the way, uh, people go to, to WarriorPoetSociety.us and. And check you out there. Your schedule of events, um, Joe. I had a
2: question too. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you this, John. After somebody takes a concealed carry class, and after they have their their gun safety class, and they know how to take their pistol apart and use it, and what's the next class? That would it be a a self defense class? Would it be a a gun combat class? What would you uh, tell somebody who's taken the you know the basic concealed carry and other classes, uh, gun safety classes, to take it to the next level? What would you recommend?
3: So different instructors will package their stuff differently. Uh, my Pistol 1 class is really going to pick up where all of your NRA and concealed carry classes leave off. Like that stuff is great. You learn how to how it functions and how you load a gun and how to safely operate it and your universal firearm safety rules and gun storage, all that stuff. Good. Get that and then come to me because I need to teach you about efficient draw stroke under uh, you know, uh, you know, the time constraints under fear, uh, defeating a garment from concealment quickly. I want you out of the holster and on target within a fraction of a second, recognizing that the average gunfight happens at a distance of three yards in a three seconds with a total of three shots fired, which means it may take you two seconds to realize you're in a gunfight, which means that leaves you about one second to respond. And by the way, the person that lands the hit, the first hit, is usually the one that wins the gunfight statistically, which means a great precedent needs to be spent on raw, nasty speed while you're freaking out and under stress. And, and there's a very, very formulaic way that I train that into people. So, uh, I- anyway, that's gunfight stuff. And we also want to do fun, uh, foundational or marksmanship type stuff. Generally, kind of my call with people, even folks that have been shooting 20, 30 years, I'll say, in one hour, in one hour, I will make you faster and more accurate than you have ever been in your life. Or I'll give you your money. I've never had anyone ask for never. In fact, a lot of times the very first pistol class, people's eyes get about this big because they just didn't realize what they didn't know. And then by after if they take one pistol course, they're going to take all my classes. Uh and I'm not trying to tout my own stuff here of like there again, there's other Great instructors out there. Generally, you're gonna have to travel for them. There's not, you can't just find them around every corner. Typically, you're gonna have to hunt. You're gonna have to travel for them. You're gonna have to follow them around. And if you follow me on my channel, I'll, uh, or on Instagram as well, you'll see me interacting with these different guys. So if you can't get in my class, get in their class. Uh, but don't just go anywhere. A lot of stuff that is taught is crap stuff and when you come to me I'm like ah, oh, alright I've got some of that that's redeemable some of it's <laughs> sport some of it is well intentioned but it's just not going to work in real life like some of these crazy weird women's self defense stuff martial arts i watch that stuff for like deep belly laugh stuff <laughs> like women's mar- search women's self defense on YouTube and you'll see some of the dumbest martial arts I've ever seen in my life I'm like great that won't work. And I in a lot of stuff when it comes to the gun stuff as well, I want a good foundation that is laid uh something that will actually work under fear and stress. Something that uh dramatically increases your chances of survival once you're ambushed. With uh James Shaw, the very first few shots, nobody even knew they were in a gunfight. They thought you know James thought a bunch of plates had fallen on the ground and somebody had died before he even realized that he was in a gunfight and he gets real low. And I, you know, just as I'm kind of piecing it together based on the different, uh, you know, stories that I hear from the news, I'm gathering, I bet it was something like 10 to 15 seconds before he ever laid hands on that bad guy. I I, I bet it had been a longer amount of time before the guy could make shots come in. He, uh, hits the ground, evades, go to the bathroom, catches his breath, pops out the window, scans, realizes what he's seeing, makes a quick, decisive decision, masters resolve, initiates counter-ambush, then the scuffle. That's going to take a little bit of time. And so, ambushing predators don't give you time. They overwhelm you with an incredible amount of forks to shut down your brain uh, and in the fight before you ever realize you're in a fight. Therefore, yeah. the order of, like, uh uh, the order is tall, uh, so um but we progressively lay it out. But it, it, again, uh, uh, yeah, sorry.
2: Well, anyway. no, John, thank you so much, and and we uh, have taken it to the last second. We're absolutely out of time. Visit the website WarriorPoetSociety.us, or go on YouTube, John Lovell on YouTube, and you can get all those links from Hagman Report or our show description on Blog Talk Radio. John, thank you so much for spending and the time with us. Please come back tonight. with
1: us. Yes,
3: uh, love to. Thanks, guys. All right, brother. Safe all travels, great. by the way. All
1: right. That was uh, John Lovell, amazing man uh, warrior society u s so Daniel Horowitz up next before we get to daniel Horowitz I want to tell you folks i 'm going to tell you right now uh, in the stressful times in which we live and everything that 's going on you need uh, uh, you need a solution a solution to me is whole tones we 've had Michael Terrell from Whole tones on our show now through the years, in fact, we had him on a week or two ago and it 's always a pleasure to hear how his powerful Whole Tones music is changing people's lives. I've got, I've got dozens actually of emails to the studio from people, uh, that, that their lives have been changed through Whole Tones. It's a pleasure to hear how his powerful Whole Tones music is changing, changing people's lives. His music is now in 160 plus countries topping billboard charts, but most importantly, he has helped hundreds of thousands of people Listen to me. Hundreds of thousands of people find peace and spiritual healing as a result of listening to music. It's just that simple. We have heard about customers uh, uh, claiming relief from issues, for example, PTSD, stress, insomnia, ADHD, suicidal thoughts, relationship problems, even pets, dogs. Lady of the Studio Dogs loves whole tones. At night, if my wife can't sleep, we have whole tones. Uh, playing in the background, just softly, and you know what? Sometimes, Lady the Studio Dog, all, just her snores, um, you, you could tell the effect of Whole Tones on your pets, and of course, people. They're getting relief from Whole Tones music. Listeners to the Hagman Report, here's the deal. We, uh, Listeners, you folks were one of the first supporters of Whole Tones. So Michael Terrell wants to personally thank you and make sure you have, each and every one of you, have an opportunity to hear the music through the free samples on the website at wholetonesfree.com. That's wholetonesfree.com. You can get started today. Listen to a free sample of this amazing music that get, that heals and inspires and energizes at wholetonesfree.com. That's wholetonesfree.com. Folks, support, support our show. Go to wholetonesfree.com to get relief through this very special music that's wholetonesfree.com. Now, I have to say this. Daniel Horowitz is one of my favorite writers. i got to tell you, he is one of my fa- if you If you're not plugged into Daniel Horowitz, if you're not following him at on Twitter at rmconservative, man, you don't know what you're missing. He's the senior editor at conservativereview.com. He's a conservative writer, policy analyst. His book, Stolen Sovereignty, on my bookshelf I read it I reference to it one of the best books out there Daniel Horowitz one of the most articulate men I know uh, I look he's got my admiration and respect if that sounds like flowery and cushy and you know lovey-dovey kind of stuff no you know what it's a fact because we need men out there to stand up and, and to write and to, and, to, and, to, and to explain the positions and he does of conservatives and I thank God for men like Daniel Horowitz Daniel Horowitz conservative uh, review.com at rm conservative welcome to the program sir
0: it's great to be with you and if you're expecting another rant unfortunately i've been ranting all day so i'm kind of hoarse but certainly great to be with you this night
1: well you don't have to rant um I, but, but well, well wait a minute you've been ranting all day uh I, I gotta hear this who's your target or who's your target or what was going on
0: Every issue under the sun that's not discussed on traditional cable news, um, you know, other than the razzle-dazzle you know, stuff, when we have civilization-killing issues on the courts, on immigration, on healthcare, there's a lot to ramble about. So I got my podcast, by the way, your listeners could catch me on iTunes. The Conservative Conscience is my show where I'll just uh, rant a couple times a week. On what's going on, you'll learn a lot about what's going on in Congress as well as my writings at Conservative Review. Oh, I
1: love, you know, I love that. I love your podcast. Uh, and, and I, and I apologize. I just recently discovered that. So I don't know. I have to go back through the archives, but thank you. you, you fantastic stuff. In fact, I listen to it not just for information, but for inspiration as well. So, but your articles are, are just, are you, you're you killing it, man. You, you, the, the, um, the, the, your latest article, uh, New poll. uh, as Live well. by the swamp, die by the there swamp. There you go. Yeah, Thank new poll should
2: warn yep. GOP. Let's just jump right into this. Many people have been focusing on the 2018 midterm elections and trying to make predictions from the blue wave to, uh, saying that, you know, the, that the House and Senate's not going to change. And we can, uh, I just want to ask you this, uh, Daniel, do you, do you think the American people are going to vote based on, uh, the ability to keep President Trump from being impeached? Meaning, do you think they're going to vote along party lines because of President Donald Trump in the 2018 midterms?
0: You know, I don't think it's going to be enough just to say we're going to have impeachment. We have to have an agenda. And that's the question. What is the Republican agenda? What have Republicans done, maybe other than the tax cuts, in Congress to give people a reason to vote for them? And and that's the problem. The problem we have in this country is the American people, as I noted from this poll, they don't like the swamp. They don't like the status quo. Now, most people aren't political professionals, so their views aren't necessarily consistent with the way those of us who live and breathe it every day uh, would understand it. They'll kind of be upset about one thing but then vote for a liberal here because people just want change. They want an alternative. Unfortunately as it stands now with the only two parties that are both broken, the alternative is always going to be the party out of power. So at this point, Republicans said they were going to drain the swamp, but now they didn't, and they're defined by it, and they officially are being blamed for control of it. They're going to go to the Democrats, but not because the Democrats are popular. All the polling shows, particularly independents, don't like their agenda. And this poll, as I noted, independents by a 23-point margin, side with us in sanctuary cities. But Republicans aren't making a full case to help Trump on that. Um, in fact, most of GOP leaders are on the other side of it. They're not forcing the issue in Congress. They don't have an agenda, and this is why, and we could talk about this later, I call for a new contract with America, a new taxpayer bill of rights, to galvanize not just the GOP base, but to win over independent voters,
1: yeah, we need that now more than ever, don't we? We need a a new pact. The conservatives do, at least. We lack conservative leader, in my view, anyway. We lack conservative leadership and organization. And organization, right? Uh, with the exception of the Freedom Caucus, in my view, the Freedom Caucus should be running everything, uh, for the most part. I mean, obviously there are some exceptions, but but uh, where's the mantle of leadership uh, within the conservatives? In Congress and where's the mental leadership outside of the uh, outside of Congress we're not seeing it i I don't who's carrying it yeah is the
2: is the GOP as fractured and divided as it, as it looks from the outside in
0: oh it's fractured it's distracted there's a crisis of intellect there's a crisis of initiative there's a crisis of values I would say where I think the left has worn down our movement that we've kind of become a reflection of them. Oh, and, wow, and I know I'm going wow. to take some flack for this.
1: No, that's true. But,
0: and I don't mean to be, you know, self-aggrandizing here, but too many other people in this business, they're focused on fluff and a soap opera. And meanwhile, he, he, here's here's what I mean. We're focused on having four congressional hearings on diamonds and silk, the latest Fox News sensation because Fox News is everything on the right. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just saying... So now we're going to regulate Facebook. I guess that's a conservative thing to do. Meanwhile, we have on healthcare, immigration, and the courts, civilization-killing issues taking place, a drug crisis responsible for 70,000 people dying from heroin and fentanyl come in from the MS-13 gangs, drug cartels, with the border surge, and no one's talking about this. We have courts, let me tell you this much, You saw I wrote an article: seven crazy court rulings in just one week. Well, since I wrote that, there were five more, and I'm talking about civilization-killing issues on abortion, on immigration, on funding for Planned Parenthood, on sanctuary cities, on environmental regulations, on um, photo photo ID. A couple minutes ago, a a federal judge in Arkansas struck down their um, requirement for photo ID at the at the polls. I mean, this is. The left has accomplished through the courts in just a couple days more than we've accomplished with GOP control of the house for 20 of the last 24 years.
1: Well, see, okay. And I saw your, 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 I've got your Twitter up here right now. I saw this. What I want to say to people, and I want to lean in when I do this and grab the desk and say, what in the hell is wrong with you people? You know, I mean, I get this, but why? Uh, how? How? Why? What's? Uh, wh- help me! Help me understand this. How can an Arkansas judge block a state voter ID law? What sense does this make? What's wrong with people? I'm not. Hey,
0: well, well, we we basically, um, and this is what I warn about stolen sovereignty in my book. Uh, you know, we've developed this system of government that was not adopted, was not adopted in 1789. It was not part of the 14th Amendment in 1868, but that courts, and even lower courts, not just the Supreme Court, is supreme over the other two branches of government. They are the sole and final arbiter. You know, you have, you, you sign it, you pass a bill, it goes to a governor on a state level, a president on a federal level to sign or veto. Oh, and then it goes to the courts for a veto. Uh, no, no, it, it doesn't work that way. But we've created this system where anything is justicable. You know, um, Robert Bork warned about this years ago, that the Israeli Supreme Court, in Israel, they had this problem years ago where the Supreme Court just sacked government. They just took everything over. And this guy named Aaron Barak, who was a Supreme Court justice there, had a famous quote. He said, everything is justicable. And the, the point is, the meaning of that is that what a judiciary is supposed to be is not supposed to be involved in broadly political issues. They're supposed to adjudicate individual controversies between plaintiffs, criminal, criminal law, civil law, under the law. And even if you believe in judicial review that they could block implementation of a, of a law, it's for that individual who has legitimate standing on a justicable issue. In other words, government created some sort of regulation that's literally shutting down my family farm. My business. I can't earn a living. I, it's literally property, life, liberty, and property. It's an unalienable right. I have the right to petition a court for relief, even if that would supplant a law. That's what judicial review means. What judicial supremacy means, and I did a whole hour podcast on this yesterday, the difference between the two, is that everything is justicable. So let's take this photo ID thing. Is that a valid, legitimate grievance? No, that, No, because you don't have any there's, – there's no individual plaintiff that's like, oh, my gosh, I can't get a photo ID. I have no way of voting because you, you all know it's BS because huh. the state provides for, – for the – I don't know who doesn't have it because in order to breathe, you have to provide a photo yeah. ID. I provide it every day um, for all sorts of purchases and train tickets. I mean, you name it, you have to provide some sort of photo. So I don't know anyone who does it. But just so I'm not casting aspersions on anyone who does it, the states that enacted this, they all provide it for you for whatever reason you don't have it. So there's nobody who could say that they can't vote because of it. There's nobody who was shut out of the polls. It's prospective. Third-party NAACP, ACLU, they drudge up straw man plaintiffs just to place a broadly-based political issue in court. You know, like you, you uh have uh, IBM versus Microsoft fight in court. So you put a political issue in court. No, it doesn't work that way. But that's the system the legal eagles developed con- in contravention to law and the Constitution, and we've accepted this. So the judges are like, well, wait a minute, if you're going to tell me I could give standing to anyone, everything I do is the final say. The other branches will just listen to me. So these liberal judges say, heck, I don't even face reprisal from elections. I'm going to take the latitude to do whatever I want, and that's what you're seeing here, and that's what you need to remember. This is Even if you disagree, let's say you're a liberal and you disagree with photo ID, deal with it in the state legislature. That's not a justicable issue um, where someone is being denied something. No one is being denied anything in this case.
2: And that's very well said, and my question is, what recourse does the citizen – the citizens have uh, to, to push back against this? What recourse, if any, does the uh, president have, we'll say, uh, with the latest uh, DACA ruling and these other rulings on the travel ban? If any, what, rec- what can the people do, or does, the, does this have to go to some sort of appeals court to get overturned? I mean, how well, can the, the power be taken back?
0: We have to educate people that the courts aren't the final word. A couple things on that. First of all, lower courts. And, and this is this is a very dangerous ignorance that a lot of people have. Lower courts, the federal district, federal appeals courts, they were not created by the Constitution. They are not even on par with the legislature and executive branch, much less above it. Okay, so that's they were created by statute. They were created by Congress, the Judicial Act of 1789, um, and then various circuits were added on. The, the newest circuit. Um, The Special Federal Appeals Court was created in 1981. Okay, so it was created by Congress. Congress controls the subject matter jurisdiction, what they could adjudicate, what they can't, the makeup of the court, the number of people on it, the geographical jurisdiction, the rules and regulations on proceedings, this nationwide injunction notion, that that a, a district judge could put a nationwide injunction on something. They could end that in statute tomorrow. Um... And then even the Supreme Court, as I note in my book, there's something called Article 3, Section 2, that gives Congress the full authority to make regulations and exceptions to the entire appellate jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. They could say, tomorrow, they could say, all immigration cases are only heard by this panel. Done. All you guys are kicked out of it. All abortion cases are, are, cannot be heard by A district judge. You have to appeal directly to the Supreme Court, and if they don't take it up, then then you lose. Um, There are so many things they could do, but Congress will not do it. Our founders never envisioned this because the courts don't have the power of the purse, they don't have the power to legislate, and they don't have the power of enforcement. This is the other thing I want to get into. A lot of people ask me, "Well, Daniel, are you suggesting we act like Andrew Jackson?" Uh, say no to a court. And what I'm saying is something much more powerful than that. Although I do think when a court is blatantly unconstitutional, as Abraham Lincoln said against Stephen Douglas in the Lincoln-Douglas debate, we need to follow the other branches have an obligation to follow the Constitution. The Constitution says that Congress sets immigration law. Congress, stat, Congressional statute says these people have to be deported much less get entitled to um Social Security cards, work permits, visas, and driver's licenses. But therein lies the point. A court could issue a ruling to grant relief. What a court does is it could place a negative on a positive of an executive branch. The executive branch wants to fine me. The executive branch wants to imprison me. They want to do capital punishment and kill me. So I petition a court, they put a negative on that positive. Well, you're finding here is that the courts, in many of these cases, are demanding positive action from the executive. Issue a marriage license, issue a visa, issue a work... No! You do it! That's executive power! They don't have the right to do that. They don't have the right to tell an attorney general to or, or a DHS secretary to use their power against the Constitution, you know, not just, oh, don't use your power. To actively use their power. They have no such right. And again, you know, this is where case and controversy versus a broad political rule establishing a precedent comes into play. Abraham Lincoln said in the uh, Lincoln-Douglas debates, you have the Dred Scott decision. Okay, I'm not going to deal with Dred Scott personally. But if you want to establish a rule that's going to be binding against the other branches of government and in all the new territories that you have to have slavery, uh, no. We're going to, we're going to, as president or a senator, I think he was running for senate then, I'm going to interpret the constitution the way I swore an oath to uphold. Until we do this, nothing matters. Mm-hmm. Nothing matters. The courts you know, you know, part of the problem is that the Republicans suck, as you well know. They don't do anything. The few good things they do get struck down by the courts. You could imagine if they did what you and I want them to do. It wouldn't matter. Nothing matters. The courts are now saying, listen to this juxtaposition. On the one hand, a state doesn't have the power, the right, to control its own appropriations and not fund Planned Parenthood. There's evidently a constitutional right for Planned Parenthood to get funded. They so can't do that. So states are impotent, impotent, can't do anything. But you know what's funny? At the same day, a different circuit, this was the Sixth Circuit, the Seventh Circuit ruled that states are so powerful they have a right to federal law enforcement grant funding and could thumb their nose at federal immigration law They say screw you and uh and, 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 and they could get away with it. So they they don't have a right to control their own state funding over a private criminal enterprise, but they have a right to demand federal funding. Or put another way, let's juxtapose the Arkansas photo ID case. Think about how how backwards things are. You and I believe most things should revert to the states, but not everything. We believe in the constitutional system. Some things belong to the federal government. So immigration... This is the most settled area of law, 200 years of uninterrupted case law that the federal government controls. It. Right, States can't thumb their nose at it. Yet the government, the courts say, states can thumb their nose at it. Then you come to election law, where Article 1, Section 4 gives plenary power to the states to determine the times, methods, and procedures of elections, and the courts are now overturning every single thing just yesterday, a federal judge in Indiana said that not only do you have to have a certain amount of early voting days, but you have to have a certain number of polling stations at the early voting. This is an existential civilization threat.
1: Well, you you put it you put it very well. Daniel Horowitz is our guest. Um, conservativereview.com, dot com. His book, Stolen Sovereignty, but but you said it best in your podcast yesterday. It's either the courts or our civilization, episode number 218, by the way. And folks, my, to, to the listeners out there, we give you the tools, the information. Mr. Horowitz has got the information via his book, Stolen Sovereignty. You got to get this book, Mark Levin, forward, forward by Mark Levin, by the way. But An the expert pod, legal pod, mind. And and he, yeah. I, I'm telling you, the podcast yesterday. And he just said it. It's either the courts or, or civilization. Um, and and you, you speak about the judicial crisis unfolding before our very eyes. So and this is what you're talking about now. I mean, I am on the same path, right? I'm not misreading this. Am I?
0: You know, th- th- this is it. Okay. Pick your top ten favorite issues that you want implemented, and I guarantee you, unless we do judicial reform, and re-educate people on the entire premise of what is the judiciary's role, nothing matters. The, the, the courts are, they're winning 50 year civilization battles for the left overnight with that firing shot.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, n- nothing matters. We're sitting and having this whole fight over sanctuary cities. It's moved. The courts <laughs> made it move. The courts are saying they have a right to sanctuary cities. So even if you would see, a lot of people, a lot of them are hiding behind Trump. Oh, I hear Trump's a racist, so I, he can't do it. But if you look at what the courts are saying, they're saying it's unconstitutional. So that means it's not, if you attack an executive action, you're saying the executive action is the problem because it's not pursuant to statute. If you say it's unconstitutional, you're saying even if Congress would do it, they can't do it. So they're so, winning that fight for that.
2: So you talked about uh, the only way to push back, uh for for president Trump would be what for him to what well, what can he do if if the uh, throw down man throw down right he he has to come out and assert his authority and and be backed up uh by the congress or or he can uh should he do this so, just himself through executive action
0: sure so so the DACA case is different from any other case normally there's a middle ground the court's wrong this guy doesn't have a right to it, but there's a neutral ground. In this case, there's no middle ground. It's not just that they don't have a right to DACA. DACA is illegal! It's unconstitutional, meaning the president can't... It's not just that he doesn't want to do it, and he doesn't have to do it, and the courts are making him do it. It's that he mustn't do it. That's the problem here. It's The courts are jumping two steps from something amnesty, executive amnesty is unconstitutional, and they're saying it's unconstitutional not to do it. There's no middle ground. This is the case where Trump has to say, I swear an oath to uphold the constitution. I have to follow statute. I cannot do this. Um but again just to clarify what I'm saying is you're asking me what Trump should do. I'm saying nothing. It's an inaction. The courts are mandating that he take an action. Okay. He shouldn't do it. Meaning here's what I wouldn't advocate. Here's what I wouldn't advocate. Um let's say someone was convicted of a federal crime a a murder that was in the federal system that led to capital punishment on a federal level and the Department of Justice was executing someone. Okay? And Trump could control that. And he petitions the court to stay the execution and he wins. And the court, on some sort of BS grounds, invalidates the capital punishment. In that case, because it's so individualized and because you're you're taking an action in the ultimate action of ending the guy's life. And they, they just merely put a negative on your positive. I wouldn't tell Trump that even though you're totally right, they're wrong, go and actively execute the guy. Okay, that's, that's the most extreme case on the other. But in this case, they're saying you have to grant the people social security. No, I'm, I will not grant you work permits. That's, that's my job. You have no right to do that. And you do this one time to the courts, and you're going to have a, a very different outcome.
1: Okay. I, I, you know, I think I understand. I, I'm certain I understand what, you, what you're saying. But l- let me take this kind of a, a step or a sidestep, perhaps. It isn't, for example, a court case, and even the Supreme Court, it's only binding to the parties who are directly involved, Correct. Another word. Well, yeah. okay. So
0: I mean, this is not Daniel Horowitz's extreme right wing stuff. This is right. everyone in the legal, even if you're a judicial supremacist, you have to agree that mechanically, what literally happens: a court doesn't strike something down. They right. don't rip a chapter out of the statute. They block implement enforcement of that statute as it relates to that plaintiff.
1: Okay, so okay because i think this is where 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 we we kind of get into this um erroneous or fallacious mentality that that it's all inclusive so if if the second court of appeals um strikes or makes a decision in in a certain case that doesn't mean that the entire country has to follow the the decision of the second Court of the Circuit Court of Appeals, correct? I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this. I,
0: I wish I had the quote up in front of me, and you could catch it in one of my articles, but in the Lincoln-Douglas debates, this is literally what Abraham Lincoln spoke about with regards to Dred Scott. Correct. Where he said, alright, so you made your decision there. But if you're trying to establish that as a political rule, as a matter of public policy, as a binding precedent on everyone, that's where you're getting into legislative territory, executive territory, state territory, and they have the right, indeed, the duty, to interpret the Constitution the way they understand it. So the, the way this this kind of works is like this. Um, let me explain what should have happened with Kim Davis, with the whole marriage issue, um, and what didn't happen, but what, what what could happen. So you know they come and. Say to Kim Davis, give us a marriage license. And she's like, well, this is not a marriage. A marriage is a man and a woman, and that's Kentucky law, and it's been on the books forever. So they take her to court, um, and what happens is immediately the court applies Obergefell as precedent. This is, well, Obergefell. But that's where you could step in and say, wait a minute. Now, what, what happens you go to a lower... The, the district judge then says you have to do it. She, she doesn't listen. They say you're in contempt, and they issue a bench warrant for her arrest. Let me ask you a question. Who serves that warrant? Who executes it?
1: The federal marshals in that case.
0: Right? Yeah, you're meaning either it's going to be a federal marshal or the state police, but it's going to be an executive branch, a federal or state executive branch. There's no court police. That pathetic judge doesn't get his fat rear end off the bench and, you know, put the person in handcuffs or send someone out. Right. Right. The founders, that's not a loophole. That's by design. The That, that is a check. The founders didn't vest the courts with a way of executing their decisions. And that's why Hamilton and Federalist 78 laughed at the notion from Anti-Federalists that you'd have... That judicial review would transmogrify into judicial supremacy. So like, look, you know, if a guy just issues some crazy thing in a case, like a man's a woman, a woman's a man, a border's not a border, amnesty's the law, you know, the, the executive branch wouldn't enforce it. Um and certainly when they're mandating a positive action to arrest someone for not doing it, our constitution says the opposite. Right. We mustn't, we cannot. Send out the marshals to execute that bench warrant. Um, execute it yourself. You know the same thing here with uh, funding for Planned Parenthood. A court says Planned Parenthood is entitled to <laughs> 1.7 million dollars of state funding in Ohio. Hey, hey, buddy, you go take your bank account to give them money. You know,
1: because <laughs> we doing it. That's
0: what people don't understand. We right. could at least start pushing back on them when the consequence of their ruling is to place a positive on our negative, rather than at least a negative on our positive.
2: And then and then see how that plays out individually. But with the president, let's say he decides not to enact uh, the positive that you're talking about. Uh, obviously, the consequences for him are going to be different than you know the the Kim Davises of the
1: world. What, if well, anything, would well, the I think. Wait, wait a minute. Uh, they're, okay. Okay. I, uh, I mean the, Go on. Go on. Go
0: judges on. aren't elected precisely because they're not supposed to make political decisions. And that's the point. A lot of people the reason why judicial supremacy has taken off it's very easy to understand. Finality is something a lot of people like. Well, you have you know, Congress passes, and you have the executive branch, and then it goes to the judiciary and they have the say and then that's it. But that's tyranny. There is no finality on po- broadly based political issues that affect everyone, not just one individual case or controversy. That's tyranny. The founders didn't want finality. What happens? So Madison spoke about this directly in some of his letters, what the design was supposed to be. Each branch uses its powers to push back against it, each other. The Legislative branch like, screw it, I'm not funding this, I'm cutting off funding. The executive branch that, I'm not enforcing this. Okay, then people take it to court again and the courts respond back and issue another opinion in that case or controversy. No, there's a right to gay marriage, there's a right to amnesty, there's a right to 50 million days of early voting. What ultimately happens is, it goes around and ultimately the people decide. Through outcry, through elections, ultimately, you see, if the courts I forgot. There, there's a great line, and and um and I forget which justice said this, but it's based on the compelling nature of their writing. That's all it is. If you have a beautiful opinion, wow, that that's man, that's really what the Constitution means. People will see it. If it's a pile of horse manure, they'll see that too, and it should be treated as such. And and that's the point. Um, ultimately, the people decide. The worst thing you could do is take every consequential political question of our time and lock it up in the unelected branch of government with life tenure, and there's not a darn thing you can do with that. That is the worst form of tyranny we didn't even have under King George.
2: That's very well said, and, and wow. Uh, our guest, Daniel Horowitz, uh, Conservative Review is the website, and just a, a fascinating insight into the battle that we see unfolding between the executive branch, the judicial branch, what's supposed to be a separation and balance of powers, we're seeing being turned around and used for something it was never intended to be used for, and we're seeing these uh, wide-ranging consequences, uh, you know, from uh, homosexual marriage to amnesty to all these things that are affecting our society, and I think you just summed it up, Daniel, in what you just said, these issues were never supposed to be uh, finalized by an unelected uh, judiciary, and that's what we're seeing ha- happen. And not only that, but the, the people and then the government are, uh, abiding by and enforcing those erroneous decisions, uh, thereby giving them even more credibility, if you will. And I think it's because a lack of understanding, even for, uh, some of the, the smartest legal minds out there, or by design, uh, you know, through not sharing this, uh, this kind of information. What can the conservatives do, especially in this time of fracture? To organize, to obviously, it's a bottom-up solution that we need. Any ideas as far as how we can uh, better organize and better get people involved to take action in their local, state, and then federal communities, rather than the we see the opposite. Everybody focuses on you know the presidency and the executive branch, but real change can be made from the bottom up. Any insight as to how we can better organize and and come up with ideas?
0: So I, I agree with you on the state and local thing, uh, and I think we need to make localism great again. We need to make state legislatures great again. The part of the problem is you first have to attack this on a federal level because the states are are schleppers. They, they're nothing. They've been reduced to rubble. I mean, I'm just telling you, every single good thing Republican legislatures has, have done and there aren't many relative to the amount of super majorities they have. The courts have, the federal courts have just stolen it. So, um, what I would say, the one galvanizing issue right now. I would say, is to push for Jim Jordan as Speaker. And the reason I say that is not so much because I think he's going to win because there's too many pukes in, in the Republican conference in the House, but he's committed to starting this new contract with America, a new platform, um, and running on some of these issues like taking politics away from the courts. And he is willing, I believe, to use this platform and lead the Freedom Caucus members. And what your listeners could do is call their members and say, who are you going to support for Speaker? I will never support you if you continue the swamp and support Kevin McCarthy. If you have an open seat, a congressional seat with a bunch of candidates, who are you going to support for Speaker? That is the first thing. You know, Trump has a lot of good instincts on on a lot of issues. He's made some good changes where he could. But Congress is horrible. It is just horrible. And unfortunately, Trump goes along with a lot of the things they do and signs a lot of their budget bills that have a lot of awful things in it. So that's why it's so important we have this fight over the speakers race. I'm not saying that that's in the long run the most foundational thing to properly educating people. I'm saying that is the next flashpoint that we could use as a platform for a lot of these issues.
2: Yeah, and and you're right, because look at what the the speaker's been able to do either, and I imagine it would be the opposite with somebody like Jim Jordan in there. But where they're supposed to be advocates for their party and for the, uh you know, the ideals of their party, we've seen them become, you know, blockers and, and resistors. And especially, uh you know, with Paul Ryan and President Trump, there was always this tension there, even though they try to, to put on a, a unifying face. But there, there is no uh, th- this divide. is tried for free. that. <laughs> well, sometimes they would go back and forth, but you're no you're right I mean uh, having a Speaker of the House who would uh, not be not afraid to promote uh you know the the constitutional ideals and also to back up the president would be a good start in unifying this Congress, but uh you're right for some reason the president I, I think it's to in a sense to go along to get along to try to say, hey you know I'm willing to work with you guys uh, this is what I'm willing to do, so put something together and and we'll work together but they Have not been willing to do that. And and what do you, so Paul Ryan stepping away, do you think he's doing the right thing by leaving uh, after the election or do you think he should step down before the election? Um,
1: and and how do you
0: think this is going to play out? Can I
1: drive the bus that
2: takes him out of
0: there? to To be clear, I'm not comparing these guys to terrorists. I'm just saying when you kill one Al Qaeda leader, if you've noticed, there's an unlimited number of people to step up. Yeah. So what I'm just saying is it's not about Paul Ryan. Um, that's the problem. They, they, they just get the next guy in line, and this is why we gotta challenge that. Uh, I do think the pressure needs to be brought to bear. Resign now. You failed. And now that you said you're not coming back anyway, why wait? Why wait until after the election mm-hmm. when, ironically, there won't be a choice for a speaker because the question will then be who's the party leader? Because you're gonna be kicked out of power. Why don't you at least give us a chance to have new leadership with a new vision? so that maybe you could possibly keep the House, and it will be relevant to discuss who's the Republican Speaker.
1: Uh, I, I'm going to ask you to speculate here, or perhaps not. Is it hubris on, on the part of Ryan, or is it uh, uh, an obstructionist agenda at heart that's at play here?
0: Well, I mean, I think obviously Ryan is personally worn down um, by this. He wants, wants to get out, but he still is ideologically committed to his swamp agenda. So he's doing everything he can to steward a seamless transition to Kevin McCarthy. That's what he's trying to do now, and I think that's what we need to attack and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If nothing changes, you're going to lose the House anyway. And then, oh, whoops, we lost, okay, no, no, no. Let's have this debate before the election so voters could actually see a choice.
1: Okay, all right, and that makes that makes perfect sense to me now now we've got and I know you've covered this you've referenced this by the way our, our guest is Daniel Horowitz. his website is conservative review. you've gotta follow um uh, uh Mr. Horowitz on Twitter as well uh, uh uh it's right there on your screen if you're watching it r m conservative at r m conservative uh the immigration issue which you've touched on you which you mentioned this is a hot button issue you got this caravan. Just knocking on our southern door. Yeah, we're coming across. Yeah, yeah. So, and it, in, in your Twitter feed, you've got um, various references to, to immigration. D- Daniel, uh, if you were sitting, if you were having dinner with, with President Donald Trump right now, you know, perhaps you might, I don't know. Uh, you, you might have that on your schedule, I don't know. You sh- if not, you should. What, what would you advise him to do?
0: I would tell him, you need to understand your own powers that you have, even without reforms that he's rightfully calling on Congress to do, and they're not doing. Uh, the reality is, with these people coming over, a lot of people think there's a loophole in statute, and we need to change the law. Now, we need to tighten things up, but the reality is, there's nothing in statute that encourages stolen sovereignty. These people are not eligible for asylum, and the so-called kids, which many of them are really MS-13 gangsters and drug smugglers poisoning our people with heroin and fentanyl, they are not eligible for this UAC, if you might have heard of it, unaccompanied alien child um, refugee status, where instead of being kicked out, they get resettled in this country. Um 97% of the Central American invaders remain in the country. This just came up at a Senate hearing today. Only 3% have been deported. You want to know why 2013-2014 we had this drug crisis? That's why. That is why.
4: That's
1: staggering statistics. 97%. It, it came
0: in with them. It came in both. So, to be clear, a lot of them were drug smog- smugglers. Even the ones that are just kind of coming in because they want a better life. You know who gets the proceeds to that? It's all the drug smugglers because they control the routes. You could take this to the bank. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to make a better life for myself in America and crosses the border unilaterally. It is all done with the drug cartels. So when you have an open border and these SOBs try to virtue signal this compassion for the even the people that legitimately are just trying to seek a better life, what they're not looking at is how that creates a market that empowers the drug smugglers in two ways and is responsible for tens of thousands of deaths of American kids from fentanyl and heroin. Number one, a lot of the kids are drug mules. They're problematic. Even the ones who aren't are um, – sometimes they have to do it just as a way of keeping alive. Otherwise, they'll kill them.
2: Right.
0: Um, number three, and this is very important. I had border agents tell me this. A lot of people don't realize that we don't have a lot of border agents on the border. CBP um, has about 18,000 personnel, I believe. But shockingly, in the Rio Grande sector, that's Far East Texas, that's the busiest corridor, there's only 60 agents patrolling at any given time. So what the um, cartels do, because again, they control the bad guys and the good guys coming over. You know, they control, to the extent there's good guys, they orchestrate it. They'll send over this clunky caravan of bogus asylum seekers. Again, they're not persecuted. They just, they want to come here, mainly to reunite with family, other illegal immigrants that we let in. Um, Let's just say most of them are innocuous, for argument's sake. right. So what happens is, 30 of your agents are now busy with 100 of these dudes, medical help, changing diapers, you name it, processing them. That is when they send the high-value targets right behind. Your big fentanyl smugglers, your MS-13 leaders, and your Middle Easterner. Um, there's a whole specialty smuggling, and this is where Hezbollah comes into narco-terrorism. at $30,000 a pop, where basically they come from Greece... They fly to Brazil or Costa Rica, and then they're smuggled in by these specialists um, to to America, and they bring them in behind these kind of, you know, clunky hundred people keep the border agents busy. That's when they get them in. When you see the border surge, as you're seeing now, it's approaching 2015 levels.
1: It's a tactic. It, it's a ta- so, so you're saying this is a deliberate tactic, yeah. And we know about this. And drug cartels do this. They send over, you know, they'll fill up
2: a, a few trucks full of cocaine uh, intentionally to get caught and to tie, you know, resources up uh detaining those while they, you know, on the other hand, have a hundred trucks going this other way undetected. Exactly. And, and yep. it's a, just a big diversion tactic, and, exactly. and it's it's very successful. But
0: but but the market. This is all DACA driven. You could take this to the bank. DACA caused the border surge, which caused the heroin fentanyl crisis that has killed probably over 100,000 people over the last three years. 200,000 people. That is, da- there's your DACA compassion. See, what they'd look at in a vacuum is just whether a certain percentage of the people coming over To make a better life. They don't look at the 320 million Americans, and you know who else they don't look at? The 120 million or so Mexicans. Do you know that when Obama started suspending immigration enforcement, border and interior, and it created this entire market of smuggling human and drugs and gangs for the cartels, it led to such a turf war that hundreds of thousands of Mexicans were killed from 2010 through 2013, 29,000 were killed last year. You know, it's sexy to talk about death and mayhem in Iraq and Syria, but we have this on our own border, and this shouldn't even be political. Where's the sympathy? I understand Americans suck. I get it. You're not allowed to care about Americans. I (laughs) I get it. That's not politically correct. But what about the Mexicans? That's what an open border creates. That... You're, 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 you're helping almost nobody except for maybe really just a relatively small number of people that supposedly make a better life for themselves in America but what about all the people left behind from the drug violence in their communities we could put the drug cartels out of business tomorrow by saying I would advise them make an announcement public translate in Spanish we're done with amnesty never under any circumstances no amnesty that, that program is done you come here as a kid pursuant to statute, you're not severely trafficked, you're self-trafficked by your own family. You're not a victim. It's explicit in statute. You're not eligible. You're deported right away. You come here just because you want to reunite with your family, or you don't like that Honduras is a crappy place, or a blank hole as Trump would call it. <laughs> um, you know, that's fine. But statute says you have to be a persecuted ethnic group persecuted religious group persecuted for your public opinion or something similar to that and I can tell you the people coming are not being persecuted because they're expressing views for free market health care in Guatemala <laughs> I mean say what you want about Guatemala it's a very ethnically homogenous place it's not like the Yazidis being persecuted and that's what the statutes are for So you do not need a fix. You know, if we had a good Congress, we would do some things. Trump needs to understand he has that power. It's called a rocket docket. You have a docket. You send asylum specialists right to the border and have a 30-second hearing. You out. You out. Done. If you do this for a couple weeks, the entire ability of the drug cartels to do what they're doing shuts down.
2: Kind of like what they do uh, now works, with yeah. uh, DUI checkpoints, where they have judges at the checkpoints signing warrants for probable cause, uh, is what you're saying to deploy them to the border and have those hearings
1: right there, oh, well, you giving know, them. Do it that ones. way, but the rocket right, pocket right. You know, uh, framework is there. Absolutely. It, 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 I just want to mention too. I give you a lot of points for your your article on uh, uh, It's it's a, it's the forgotten American who needs legal help, not illegal aliens, gaming the system right on the right on target and it kind of overlaps into what we're talking about and in, in in essence is what we're talking about, I suppose. Um with respect to the the immigration and such. But wow, it's or not the the invasion, not immigration. But Daniel, we, we got about two and a half minutes left. Uh in closing, I know
2: we didn't get a chance to get into this. We still were talking about the, the Robert Mueller probe. We uh how do you how do you see this playing out with, with President Trump? I, I think the and American Giuliani. Yeah, and when Giuliani coming on. I think the American people are losing patience, but we're seeing more and more crimes being uncovered from Hillary Clinton laundering money, the FBI corruptions. But with Giuliani coming on, what do you see in the near future for the Mueller probe?
0: Well, no, number one, if you remember, Trump still does control the executive branch of government. I mean, officially at least. And he needs to make public everything. He has the ability to un- declassify everything. Um, the FISA petitions, everything make it all about the scandal with the DOJ and FBI, he has the ability to do this. Now, I don't know why he's not declassifying a lot of things. And, you know, if he has nothing to hide, he should have no problem doing that. And I think that will put an end to a lot of this. Um, Sadly, you know, his mistake was going on Lester Holt's show and just saying why he fired Comey that time um, and then not firing Rosenstein right away. Um, I do think there's growing momentum to fire him, and I think that could change the trajectory. Unfortunately now, his goose is kind of cooked. When it comes to legality, of course he could fire Mueller. Anyone who tells you that doesn't understand the Constitution. There's only one chief executive officer of executive personnel, and he is indeed an executive personnel. There's no fourth branch of government. Politically, it's going to be a little tough. So, to me, I think he needs to pursue a relentless agenda and make it about what voters care about. Because I just think if it's all about fighting back with Mueller, I don't think there's much he can do now anyway. Um, I understand people will say, well, that's distracting from his agenda, but he's just got to forcefully push an agenda and fight through it um, because there were a lot of mistakes made. Um, you know, Sessions, whom I like on a lot of issues, was very weak on this. Yep. Um, and and that's the thing. The best defense is a good offense. He's got to go on offense and make public all of the stuff we have from from struck from Cheryl Mills and Hillary Clinton scandal, and I think that's the only way to even up the score.
1: You know, Daniel Horowitz, thank you. I'm going to thank you for raising the IQ levels of our program by leaps and bounds by your appearance. Awesome stuff. You know, this is this this is why we turn to Daniel Horowitz. His book, "Stolen Sovereignty." If you don't have a copy, get a copy. Kindle, hard copy. Just get a copy of "Stolen Sovereignty." Listen to his podcast and follow him on Twitter, Daniel Horowitz. If you were here, I would shake your hand and 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 really say thank you so much. But uh, from afar, thank you, thank you, thank you, man. This is uh, folks, Daniel Horowitz. uh, The guy's a machine. His articles, his tweets. The guy is, he's on fire. Uh, and I i like him a lot. At uh, R-M Conservative yes. and conservativereview.com. And you know what? Look, look, go out there and, and send him a tweet. Send him an email. Say, I heard you and man, you're right or whatever. But, but let's elevate him. We need his voice out there. All right, we're going to be right back. Stay with us. Alicia Powell coming up.
2: How many people saw the Diamond and Silk testimony today as uh, they were put under oath and testified in front of Congress today? Well, one Congresswoman trying to catch them in a trap looked like a fool, but usually looks like a fool anyway. Sheila Jackson Lee just became the court jester, according to the uh, Western Journal, after questioning Diamond and Silk, trying to entrap them in a lie by misinterpreting a calendar over and over again uh, by trying to confuse April, the events that happened from April 11th and April 12th. Go to westernjournal.com and you can read the article. Diamond you, and Silk just you know, smacked down Eric and Sheila Jackson Lee
1: to I her loved face. That. I loved it. But you know, and Diamond and Silk have been on our program. I want to thank John Robertson for, for arranging that. So, let me get this straight. Diamond and Silk testify in front of Congress under oath. Right no, mm-hmm. you, okay. Just like what James Comey? Oh wait, no, no. Just like Zuckerberg, uh, Zuckerberg. Oh no. wait. Hmm. But Diamond and Silk testified under oath. What kind of on what planet are we living? And the Hill. And let's
2: let's look at this. The Hill has fallen so far. Diamond and Silk say under oath they they, were paid by Trump campaign. FEC finally say otherwise. But here's the thing. Here's the kicker. They were never paid by the Trump campaign. They were reimbursed for a plane ticket.
1: Who? Diamond Diamond and Silk. Diamond and Silk reimbursed for a plane ticket.
2: Reimbursed for a plane
1: ticket. So they
2: were never paid anything.
1: Uh, I'm ready to throw down right now. Who's with me? Let's go. Uh, You know what? We're going to... Okay.
2: No, and I say that hill used to be decent because
1: Uh, there was a time... is there? But you know what? Yeah. There was on, a time
2: man. back uh, maybe the year, in the beginning of the year before the presidential election, the beginning of 2016, where there was, I, I used to link to quite a few articles. Maybe it was just one or two authors from the Hill. But I can't even, I, I don't even check the Hill anymore because of how far um, gone they have fallen, from how far they have gone. And plus, you it in the comment section, you see how the people have went from a more centric point of view just toward that liberal insanity mindset where the name calling and the Nazis, you know, names are thrown out there immediately and it's like many political chat rooms either pro or anti-Trump is how it's based. So,
1: anyway. Okay, hang on a second here. Hang on. on. Let me get this. Let me get that. Okay. Check on wholesale prices for torches. Where where can we buy? Does Costco have torches? Okay, Um, check on wholesale and Pitchforks, pitchforks. Can we get our emblem on that? Pitchforks and torches? Sure. Okay. And sure. then pass them out. Um start fund for pitchforks and torches. Okay. no, uh, well, that's my no, I gotta, but We've got to pay that. That's my dry cleaning bill right there. We
2: have with us Alicia Powell, and she's come on to talk about a number of issues from the uh Bill Cosby verdict, what we were talking about earlier in the show, to the uh, what's going on in Hollywood in the entertainment industry with Kanye West and a number of uh, people coming out against him because he stated his support for Donald Trump. Alicia Powell, welcome back to the Hagman Report.
4: Hi, thanks for having me back. Oh, my gosh, today was just epic with Diamond and Silk testifying before Congress. I think I believe it was Congressman Steve King and uh, Jim Ha from the Gateway Pundit that organized the, this whole event on Capitol Hill today. And I have never in my entire time following politics and being a conservative activist and now a journalist see conservatives who are African-American, but besides that, besides their race or skin color, they are just brazenly speaking out and echoing the sentiment that we all desperately feel about just everything from calling, calling the the uh Congressional Black Caucus out essentially, Sheila Jackson Lee and, uh, Hank, Hank Johnson from Georgia out on their, their, their racism and their hypocrisy. And it was just a breath, breath of fresh air. Diamond and Silk have been a, a breath of fresh air from the beginning since I first saw their videos, uh, circling the web during the election. And I'm so grateful that there's people out here with enough courage. To sit here, and I mean, I think I honestly feel like they have more more hutzpah than President Trump does to some degree. The way that they dealt with how they're trying to frame them, and if you look at the the headlines coming out of that, their testimony, it's all that they they lied. I, I actually took note of the headlines. Slate says Diamond so testified before Congress and yelled at a bunch of people. Right, mm-hmm. they were defending themselves. Uh, yeah. Amid all these allegations. Oh, you took money from the Trump campaign. You're lying about it. Well, actually, like you said, they were getting reimbursed for flying to a campaign event, and the Trump campaign reimbursed them. But that's still the headlines that stand up there today. I don't see the conservative news coverage of that event um enough, or it's not the stuff that's coming up in the top of the Google search engine. I don't see in the top of Breitbart headlines. But I think this is such major news because – we see this awakening or we see people of color, black conservatives, black Americans who are waking up to the Jedi mind trick that the Democrats have successfully embedded in our culture. It's so deep-seated and so deep-rooted already. It's one of the things that drove me to become a conservative activist and, and a journalist is the fact that people think Republicans are racist, Trump's are racist, uh, the, the, they're the party of Jim Crow and segregation, and, and you see Candace Owens speaking out, right? She's made notoriety and the things. We've all been saying for years, which is that the Democrats have successfully uh, got this monolithic vote of the black community, and and, and it's, 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 it's not really like you can blame the people so much when there's every facet of society echoing the same propaganda of republicans are synonymous with racism and they just scrub out all of history they could have they would burn the history books along with the confederate monuments if they could because the fact is if you really look at any history book chapter to chapter unless it's some left-leaning uh political science uh, scientists trying to uh, uh rewrite history. Republicans have been on the side of civil rights all throughout history. There's no, There was never a two-party switch. I don't even talk about this anymore. I don't want... There's a lot of issues to cover every day as a journalist, but this is old news for me. I've been talking this talk for my entire adulthood once I stopped being a liberal myself by default. So what ha- what's happening right now is an opportunity for a great awakening with Kanye West and with diamond and silk. And unfortunately, I feel like, okay, with Bill Cosby, there's no more there's, he's so iconic in American culture. There's no one that presented the an African American family but in a better image than Bill Cosby did. We all grew up watching the Cosby show and we don't know what happened 30, 40 years ago. But once again, these allegations that we see from all over the Me Too movement are 30, 40, 50 years ago. And why not come forward 40, 50 years ago, but they happened to all come forward and, and this multitude of women and bombard Bill Cosby with these sexual assault allegations as soon as he was speaking to the black community about not having saddened pants to stop having fatherless households and be a family and have a family unit. Like we saw the black community prospering in the 1950s before it got galvanized by the socialist left. So I'm really just fired up about the opportunity that awaits if the GOP seizes it and the fact that I didn't see this during the Bush years. I didn't see this when I was in New York and in college fighting and defending President Bush's record on PEPFAR and prisoners, the the compassionate conservative programs like prisoner reentry and um, so many different programs that Bush deliberately designed to benefit the inner communities and the black community.
1: Alicia Powell on fire, and I'm telling you, it's a well deserved, well directed fire indeed. Um, wow, what she said. The, how's that? Well, Alicia, I gotta, you know, the whole thing with the
2: Cosby uh, situation that that gets me is one. We see the people who are uh, behind this this Me Too movement, and we know that it's not genuine. These people are not coming from a place of concern. They don't want, you know, these people to heal. Uh, they if anything the people especially in hollywood have done any and everything that they can to cover this kind of behavior up and now they you know because a, a few people have come out and spoke out against it uh, they want to jump on the bandwagon or appear that you know they're not one of one of the the monsters that they're portraying other people to be but i don't think the majority of the american people buy it and then with bill cosby uh, you have to ask yourself why why now he was if he was doing this in the end of his career he's been doing this throughout his whole career is my assumption and and why now and that's my big question and um you know this whole me too movement is a problem and do you think we're going to see more of of these actual court convictions based on me too movement accusations
4: I mean they nailed Cosby right whether the allegations are true or not we'll never know we're not the women who were there when he allegedly gave them drugs and sexually assaulted them. But what kind of integrity, integrity do you have when you're sitting and seeing Bill Cosby uh, promoting himself as a, a family man on the Cosby Show for decades and being the epitome of the American family, the American black family, which has fallen apart because of liberal policies. And you just sit there and it's fine. But as soon as he goes out and he's actually saying to people uh, in a large crowds, Pull up your pants, stop being gangsters, stop glorifying criminals, stop, like, essentially stop, uh, voting Democrat is when he's, his character is assassinated and he's 80 years old and he's gonna spend the rest of his life in jail. Albeit, if he did sexually harass all these 30, 40, 50 women, there needs to be accountability and I'm sorry it all ends that way. But we saw them do the same thing to President Trump. We see them bandwagoning. I mean, I was mocking the fact that when we saw Megan Kelly and Andrea Tantaros and Glenn Gretchen Carlson, after they hosted Bill O'Reilly's show for the last 10 years, come out and say, well, he sexually harassed me. I was joking about the fact that they're all saying, oh, me too, I'm sexually harassed too, about a year ago. And then six months later, it's a me too movement. <laughs> yeah, it's I remember that. It's flabbergasting how the left uses its propaganda techniques.
2: No, I remember that. And you make great points, uh, especially, I mean, the, the people hosting Bill O'Reilly's show. And then it, it seems like some for some sort of personal gain, they come out. And, uh, you know, when, when the timing is opportune for them. And that's the whole problem with this. And, and you said it right. It wasn't until uh, Bill Cosby uh, started to, you know, speak out and, and try to make a difference. And that's against my question. Do you, do you think, yeah and, yeah. and do you think that these people are given a pass until they go against the grain or until they. You know, upset the power structure. Look, look, look at Kanye West. He's coming out and saying uh, that he doesn't even agree with President Trump, just that he he loves him as a person and, and as a brother. And now they're they're saying he's mentally you know, unstable, and they're bringing all this uh, you know mental health st- stuff into it and trying to throw him under the bus. I mean, is it just a, uh you go against us, then you know we're gonna uh, you're done.
4: Yeah, essentially, because the Democrats are dependent, literally. If you look at the numbers. If they don't have 90% plus of African-Americans voting for them, then they don't win elections anymore. So their entire campaign structure and strategy is based off of race baiting, and they have no shame about it. I mean, if you look at the way they treated Diamond and Silk today, these so-called leaders of civil rights, Sheila Jackson Lee and Hank Johnson and members of the, the Congressional Black Caucus, it's deplorable. I mean they're sitting there basically demeaning these women simply because they agree because they're conservative. Because if you're conservative in this day and age, then you're 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 a racist, right? I'm so tired of it that I don't even talk about the race issue anymore. But apparently it's an issue that's just boiling under the surface and we all need to talk about it. I mean you can label me as whatever you want. I don't talk about it. I don't like being labeled. I'm half Cuban, black, white. I'm, I'm Cuban, black, white, Chinese, Indian, and Irish, right? But I'm hmm. I'm now going to be ca- uh, categorized as a black conservative and whatever. It doesn't matter. I want America and the United States and the planet to transcend this race this racism disease that has been plaguing humanity from the beginning of time, and we're at a cusp right now where that's possible. But it really, it's really up to the Trump administration and GOP leadership, and more journalists and more celebrities, who to stop being cowards and stop being tepid and aggressively fight the war that we actually are fighting. There's a civil war all the time ongoing, and people get exhausted with the, with talking about the race issue. But it's the underlying issue uh, that 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 will be the ter- determining factor of if the Republican Party exists. In the next five to 10 years, in the near future, in every election. Because if Hillary Clinton had won, we'd be, who knows where the, where, where, where the United States and global relations would be right now. But the way that her strategy for winning, as we started in the campaign, is parading Black Lives Matter out. I mean, you still have the Black community dealing with so many issues because they are, they are loyal to the race the slave master party. They're loyal to the segregationist, socialist, secession party, the Democrat party, and they want to erase history. But the fact is, the two parties never switch, and the Democrats are still voting for the KKK party. And that is why we see lots of African Americans in housing projects and, and uh uh over the number and, and food stamps, and mm-hmm. we see the culture basically self uh self. Destructing because people need to wake up and start thinking for themselves, which requires a lot of work. Because if you sit here and you just, you know, maybe you're specialized in medicine, maybe you're specialized in being a rock star. So you're not spending that time reading the history or following the news cycle every day to see how everything spin to basically Jedi mind trick us. And once this happens, there's tremendous ramifications. I mean, if we can win this civil war at home where we're constantly battling these race relations and we were to have like the celebrities in the Hollywood on the conservative, pro-American, pro-freedom side, we could easily win a war against North Korea. You could easily win the hearts and minds of the people in, um, in Iraq and Afghanistan because I feel, I mean, like George Bush said a lot of times, Freedom is innate to the human soul. People will fight for it, but they believe the propaganda of the celebrities because the celebrities in Hollywood and musicians, the pop culture has more power than the White House. It has more power than politicians, and they're all working together. The, poli- the leftist politicians and the Hollywood leftists to galvanize the co- culture and galvanize the country. And we really need aggressive measures to defeat to defeat it all.
2: And one of the, the key points that you bring up is something that I found uh probably uh, the easiest way to do this is, is to go on YouTube, and the, there's a Prager University video, The History of the Democratic Party. And maybe it's about five, five and a half minutes, but uh, as you talked about, the they like to talk about a history of, of they switched, because the Democratic Party has been the party of slavery and against the civil rights, and uh they try to... Uh, reframe history as though that they were on the side of freedom they were fighting for pro-civil rights when that is not the case and i know that might not seem relevant to today but if you want a, a, some good insight into that there's a, a some great videos on youtube and i would recommend the history of the democratic party from prager university as one of those but alicia this is what they do when they can't win an argument when they don't have the the facts or the evidence on their side in, a, in an argument or debate i've seen it on cnn a thousand times they instantly throw the race angle in there. And it's, it's, there's no way to prove against it. There's no way to, to fight against it. And that is why it is, you know, the genius of the circular logic that they have, uh, that traps people. I, I would say, you know, lower IQ people or people who are not awake or, or realizing the truth, uh, that it traps them in that, that, that mindset. And it's unfortunate, but it's effective at the same time. I
4: mean, you have this, this party, the Democrat party that's supposedly for, uh, civil rights and looks at black people without the racist lens that the conservatives allegedly do. Yet they sit there and argue emphatically yelling at the top of their lungs. Just that's what they do. They get their base angry. That's how they win. Someone gets killed and they use that. They use it to win elections. They're happy. They, mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they use tragedy as an opportunity to win. They use, to, you know, so they're out there telling they're out there galvanizing minorities, Hispanics, and black people to believe that uh if you, the Republicans are racist and want to drag us back to the days of Jim Crow by enforcing voter ID law. I mean, and then you've got to have like, a, a, there's a video of a man on the street, at, uh, this reporter conducting a man on the street interviews asking people well, do you think it's racist if yeah. uh, you have to show your ID to vote? That. And they're like, no, I show my ID to go everywhere. It's such an elementary argument. Yet the, <laughs> the Democrats have got so many people. You have to break it down to my liberal friends. It's not racist to show your ID to vote because they're so inundated with this propaganda. And the fact is, if you are, if your heart's in the right place and you're searching for, searching for truth, you're going to find it. You're going to look in history books. You're going to start watching the news. You're going to wake up. And that is what the Democrats are afraid of. That's the problem. If people don't stay ignorant, they're going to, and they're willing to have fresh eyes and listen to when the president speaks or turn in racist Fox News and listen to racist special report with Brett Bayer, which is all fat faith for the most part, then they're going to wake up. And the Democrats are going to lose power. What will those candidates in the United States look like then? I have no idea because it's never happened yet, but it can happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, and another thing that they do is uh, through incentives. You know, the uh, the welfare programs, the other social mon- monetary programs that they, uh, though if they can't win your your vote over. Uh, with their lies and propaganda, they'll, you know, hand money out in order to in- ensure those votes, and it's a, it's an ugly system that we're trapped in. But Alicia, I want to make sure we cover this in the last five minutes we have. Uh, this whole thing with Kanye West supporting President Trump—obviously, these people can't take any dissension amongst the ranks. Why are th- th- does the left feel the need to attack uh, his mental health at the, you know, as soon as he comes out and and says that he supports the president?
4: Oh, trust me. I'm sure they're looking for some women to go and say he mm-hmm. raped them too. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're looking to, because, I mean, that's what you can do. I mean, I've experienced that myself. Oh, she's brainwashed. She's crazy. Someone brainwashed her. I originally, I came from being a liberal and actually going to leftist protests, anti-police protests, and I was 17, 18 years old. And when I woke up to the truth, I thought it would, it would resonate with people automatically. I thought, listen, oh my gosh, I just read. Chapter after chapter, all these documentaries about the Democrat Party's racism, and, and they're lying to us, guys. Oh, it was, I was not perceived well by, by the people yeah. who I love and know the most. So basically they have to castigate Kanye West. He, if you have hip hop, which I would argue is the most powerful force on earth, there's people I've met from Morocco, there's people I've met from all around the, all around the world, and they might not speak English but they know Tupac's lyrics, they know Kanye West, and that's all the English they know is the lyrics of their song, so that's how powerful hip-hop is, and if Kanye West used this to, I mean, hip-hop music is is inherently conservative, right, it's inherently inherently capitalistic, so start rhyming about the truth, and start um, creating music that's pro-American and not glorifying gangsters. And and prostitution and drugs and all the things that hip-hop has become, which it didn't start as. So the left is going to destroy Kanye West, perhaps. I don't know. I've never seen, I've never witnessed, witnessed, we've never witnessed this before. Will his family, will the Kardashians abandon him?
2: No, they were sticking up for him.
4: They're sticking up for him thus far. And the ramifications in that are tremendous. Because if we had, when's the last time the United States The the Hollywood and the culture in the United States is pro-American. I mean, you think back maybe to some parts of during the World War II or sometimes during the 1940s, but Hollywood's always been infiltrated by communism. So if we have Hollywood wake up, the, the fact that you watch the news, you might not really study politics, you might hate politics, but we love movies, we love music. That's what speaks most to the human spirit. And I think that the GOP just needs to seize the day on this every day. We need to aggressively go to the projects with surrogates like Kanye or Nas and, and talk to the people who have the highest incarceration rates in the, in the country, who have the highest uh, dependency on welfare and food stamps, who have thought a single-parent household and a high rate of abortion. All of these things are because of the feminist movement. That so-called helps women All these things because a the leftist version Of the civil rights movement LBJ's Great Society Which is basically developed housing projects As a form of segregation And who can he play What's going to happen next? We'll find out Alicia. It's been a good week to see conservative people Who look a certain way Promoting a message that we have seldom seen happen In the news cycle
2: Yeah, and I'll, I mean we'll take it any way we can get it um, you know, because it's so far and few between, it seems. And, and I want to ask you this, though, in the last few minutes. Um, and I don't have the specifics in front of me. I didn't plan on talking about this, but uh, President Trump instituted and, and talked about some uh, wor- work requirements for uh, people receiving certain benefits. Uh, what, do you think this is a good idea? What What he's what he wants to do with the uh, imposing some sort of uh, minimal standards for people receiving uh, benefits, whether it's welfare or food stamps or whatever that might look like.
4: Absolutely. So welfare is made to be a safety net, not a way of life for your entire life, where actually people were abusing the welfare system and having more kids in single-parent households just to get more welfare checks. You see videos that have gone viral of women in the ghetto mm-hmm. claiming that they just want to get their welfare checks. People innately want to fulfill their dreams while they're here on earth, and you're not going to do that if you're sitting waiting for a four or five hundred dollar check living in the project. And so if you're going to go out and work, at least that's the first step to not only have a person of responsibility, but achieving your dreams in this society where doesn't matter what race you are, and I said it way before President Obama was elected, you can achieve, you can socially mobilize in this country, you can achieve your dreams. More than here, more here than anywhere else in the world. The amount of freedom we have to create the highest vision of ourselves in the United States is unprecedented. And the United States have been, we've accomplished this in just 237 odd years because, 230 some odd years because we have freedom of religion, we have freedom of thought essentially, and that's what the left is trying to hijack and censor on Facebook. And now we have this one superstar rapper who. They are so scared of, because he threatens their monolithic black voting bloc.
1: And there it is. So achieve their
4: dreams. People can achieve their dreams.
1: Alicia Powell, you were on fire. I cannot wait to listen to this again, to watch this again. This segment, folks, it'll be a standalone segment tomorrow. Thank you, Alicia, for everything you do. A voice of of reason, a voice of sanity in an otherwise insane environment. Thank you so thank you thank so you very guys. much. I look
4: forward to seeing you again
1: soon. All right. And folks follow Alicia Powell on Twitter and support her efforts. Going we'll to be right back. Network break coming up. Craig Sawyer
2: and welcome back to our final segment on this Thursday edition of the Hagman Report. Joining us is going to be Craig the Sawman Sawyer taking us out on this show, and he's uh, the founder of Vets for Child Rescue, and that's the number for vets, the number for childrescue.org, and he's a uh, a guest, he's been a guest to several times on the show to talk about not only current events, but also his organization and the work that they've been doing in taking down uh, human trafficking and pedophilia networks And Craig is going to be uh, coming on, and we're going to talk to him about what he's doing, what he's working on right now, and some of the the battles that he finds himself in uh, as we move forward through this crazy landscape. But first, before we uh, go to that, how many people saw the pictures from the uh, Pompeo meeting with Kim Jong-un over Easter that were released by Sarah Huckabee Sanders today, kind of throwing that out there, that there was a surprise meeting on Easter, excuse me, I'll switch my earpiece here, and... In, during this meeting, apparently, this is what launched uh, some of the negotiations and the uh, the backdown of Kim Jong Un with his nuclear uh, missile capabilities. And we have seen that the president has made significant headway in dealing with the leader of North Korea. And if they agree to some kind of uh, uh, you know denuclearization, uh, will this be one of the bigger foreign policy wins without war that we've seen? Uh, in the last, what, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years as a president. So it's encouraging to see that. We have with us Craig Sawyer, and Craig, Eric, tells me we got you uh, via Skype, but we
1: don't have your video feed.
5: Let me try resetting and uh, and see if I can get that video to pull up.
1: Okay. All right. And by the Go way, ahead. folks, Craig the Sawman Sawyer, yeah, a former Navy uh, SEAL, the guy that could uh, kill you with a napkin, but he's a, a general giant, and uh, he cares about the welfare and safety of our children and people. The man is amazing. Vets, the number four child rescue. That's his website. It's linked off of Hagman Report. Uh, Folks. And I've never heard him claim he could kill
2: anybody with a napkin. Uh, Uh, No, that's me.
1: Yeah, look, uh, I I sat across from him in Chicago, and uh, uh, you know, I'm glad he's on our side. That's all i got to say.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, since the the launching and start of of this organization um he's taken down numerous uh he's done numerous things making an actual difference taking down child traffickers taking down uh predators and pedophiles and and just these sexual deviants who seem to be everywhere and anywhere from the highest places of power to the darkest chat rooms on the internet and everything in between and uh apparently Craig is giving he's the keynote speaker at an event, and when we bring him back, we're going to have him yeah, uh, tell be, you it's about. Be
1: great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you've never heard Craig Sawyer speak, or never heard uh, Craig Sawyer on anything, man, it's uh, wow. It's just just wow. So, do we have him? Not yet. All right. Um, if that's the number four childrescue.org, dot org, that's the that's his organization. He is uh, a a tremendous fighter against the pedophilia against the, the 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 darkest of the dark people out there and he's got a he's got he's got something about uh, silicon valley he's taken on the, the tech tyrants of silicon valley on a number of levels so are want to be hearing about that well they're uh, starting a, i've seen a few congressmen
2: uh calling for the government to step in and regulate the facebooks the youtubes from antitrust laws to, uh, you know, the citing monopoly and other rules that they want to, uh, they're debating whether they should intervene at this time from everything we've seen. And this is what the, uh, I don't know specifically what the Diamond and Silk hearings were about or the the reasons that they're speaking in front of Capitol Hill, but I Under imagine vote. that a large portion of it has to do with the censorship and from them being labeled, uh, I forget what the actual term was, but some kind of dangerous a content or a threat to the community uh, for their facebook page and we see this constant battle this one-sided battle where you, if you're on the left and you call for the assassination of the president you call for violence against you know anybody who is a conservative or supports conservative values that's okay
1: but tell the truth you know call out the lies yeah. of the left you get censored then that's hate speech well and uh, so diamond and silk now their real names are Lynette Hardaway, Rochelle Richardson. They had a popular Facebook page just in case you're not familiar with this. Mark is dangerous by by Facebook. Essentially cutting them off from over a million followers. That's what this is about. And you got this moron, Sheila Jackson Lee. I mean, you talk about lowering the IQ levels of of the mm-hmm. room when she walks in. In my view, so intent on proving Diamond and Silk to be liars. And then you got the sewage pit over there, Democratic Underground, uh, supporting the most the the the, the base of the debased. The who are claiming that diamond and silk are, uh some members over there claiming diamond and silk or you know uh uh, lying because they received the, as you, as you a reimbursement, out, right? not a payment. A a payment? No, no, they're on the payroll of Donald Trump. Hey, are, are you kidding me? And and you know what? Americans are getting sick and tired of this mm-hmm. stuff. True, patriotic Americans are getting sick and tired of this stuff. And I would I would have paid good money to see Diamond and Silk go off on on um, all all of these uh, these swamp creatures over there in, in the uh, uh, sewage pits. Well, it's recorded and it's on YouTube and you can't. Watch no, I'm it, talking too. about yeah, man. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I would love to see uh, either either one of them say, "Oh, it's on now," and get up and start, you know. But anyway, I'm going to
2: post made. some of the. Uh, I'm going to post at least one article with a link to the video up on Hagman Report after the show. But we have with us Craig, the Sawman Sawyer. Craig, uh, we hear you're you're a keynote speaker. Where, where are you speaking at?
5: Uh, well, I'm speaking <clears throat> at an event tomorrow night in Tucson, Arizona, for three organizations that are all aligned in counter countering the. Child trafficking epidemic that we're seeing in the United States. So the main organization that I'm there to support is called Sold No More. And if you go to soldnomore.org, you'll see all of the information and you can register there. And, uh, that's the, that's the best way to get all the real scoop is go to soldnomore.org and, uh, and register. And then, uh, hope to see you guys there tomorrow night. All
2: right, awesome is this uh, being live streamed or is this by uh, in person only
5: no I think it'll it'll be in person only it's uh, it's not I wouldn't call it a private private event but it's um, I, it's not something that I think they would necessarily want blasted out to the entire public so I'm gonna talk about a little bit of what we got going on and and uh, some victories and strategy and and uh, teamwork so it, it it'll be a beautiful evening uh, teamwork. Uh, a good culture of unity there. Uh, some great people involved. So I, I'm proud to be part of it.
1: Okay. SoldNomore.org. Tell us again where this is going to be. What city?
5: Uh, in Tucson, Arizona Tucson. at Pantano Christian Church.
1: All right. All right. So if you're, if you're nearby, people can register, get tickets, whatever, or just show up.
5: Uh, they'll need to register, but then they, uh, it is, uh, there's no charge.
1: For okay. You, for the all right. All right. And you've done some great work, obviously. Uh, vets, the number four child rescue. vets vetsforchildrescue.org is Craig Sawyer's uh, organization. So, Craig, uh, Silicon Valley, the tech tyrants, uh, the, uh, the, the, oh man, I don't even know, how to, the perverse, the perverse out there. What's going on with these creatures?
5: Well, I think we're starting to see under the hood of what's going on, the culture. Of uh, Silicon Valley, who the power players are that that run that industry uh they've gotten a monopoly now, a true monopoly, and Zuckerberg can deny it um directly to Congress because he's not under oath, but I mean we see that uh it's become a a utility function uh just like the 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 phone service used to be they they broke up ma bell because it was. It was too much of a monopoly. There was no competition and it became problematic. So, um, I think Facebook has become a problem only because it's been mismanaged and it's been turned against, uh, the good people. It's been turned against the, the patriotic Americans, against anyone with any sort of conservative view, uh, traditional family values of a loving mother and father. Um, they, they seem to just have. Decided to take it upon themselves at Facebook and all the all the social media platforms from Silicon Valley, really, uh, to suppress the traditional American core values, um, the voice of "We the People," and it's it's really ugly to see. And they can try to deny it, but I mean, now that the numbers don't lie, I mean, they're <clears throat> like, as an example, I've got 170,000 followers on my Facebook page. Well. Uh, in years past man i could post something that people would be interested in and it would it would get a certain reach and now it's it gets like one percent of that reach and so it, it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that the suppression is severe and uh, all they've got to do is just uh log you into their algorithm and flag you uh for suppression and then you get uh, constant notices like I do now from all my friends and followers say, Craig, I, where are you? I haven't seen you in months. And I'm like, man, I'll post several times a day about the positive and great things that are going on. And I speak the truth about what I see that's corrupt and wrong. And I uh, just, I speak my mind and uh, they're like, we're not able to hear it. We follow you. We want to hear what you have to say. And, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook are hiding your posts from we, the American people. I'm like, man, that's that's ugly, so I, I'm big on 1A. I'm big on the freedom of speech, and uh, um, I, I don't like in any way calling for the federal government to get involved. I don't think that that's um, usually the answer on, on almost anything. But when you have something that becomes really uh, a utility and it becomes a monopoly uh, on the, and the platform that's the primary platform, which... Most people conduct their liaison and a lot of business and, and personal networking, and they've got their personal network invested in all their images and their family contacts and all that. Um, if it begins being radically abused, and the owner and the CEO, the management are, are denying it, saying, "No, no, we're not," but like uh, rancid little children playing a game that they, they secretly are, and uh, then it becomes—they make it a problem. So had they just managed it in good faith and let people communicate, uh, and let the public have their voice, uh, wouldn't have been a problem. But now I think people are really ticked off and they've seen that it, it's, it's completely political now. And they've targeted the, the best American citizens like Diamond and Silk. I heard right. you guys mention them as always coming on. Uh, that's ugly, man. And that's shameful. So what drives it? You know, that's, that's, that's where we go to next is why would Mark Zuckerberg set the culture there at Facebook to attack American veterans, families, patriots, and people with strong moral decency because and values. Because he's a values. punk.
1: Because he runs well, a punk organization, in my view.
5: Yeah, but where would he get that idea? Uh, oh, who's, uh who's, who's bending his ear? What meetings is he a part of? Why do, why do uh, the things that he suppresses uh, line up lineup completely with the The core values that the, that the anti-American globalists dislike and cannot tolerate. And, uh, you see the same thing. It's the same scumbaggery in big Hollywood, um, and corrupt Washington DC and, and Silicon Valley has now raised their head and shown that they are, that, that there, there's a lot of, uh, well, I don't want to say the Silicon Valley is evil, but in my investigations, we're starting to learn now that, yeah, they, they, The elites that run a lot of these tech companies. The reason the the culture has gotten so weird there is because they're not good decent people. They and they feed upon the child sex trafficking trade. They have a high demand to have sex with children, and they there are um, there are organized crime syndicates that cater to Silicon Valley that bring them uh, children uh, while they bring them drugs. So hey, if they're going to send a runner to bring someone uh, lucrative sum of uh, of drugs for their personal consumption why not just deliver a child or two if that's on the menu as well so that's what we're learning is has been going on out there Literally, so, by
1: the way no wonder the they
5: they attack yeah, yeah no wonder they attack decent people who are standing up for the children uh, they want to try to bend everyone's mind and and, and bend everyone's perception rather that uh, somehow raping children is good because that's what they're into and they, they want to normalize it they want to make it seem okay so They've, they've shown themselves, guys. They're, they've shown their hand. They've tipped their hand. And I think we, the American people need to sit up and take notice and, and calculate what that really means. And can we allow, can we afford to allow those child rapists, drug addicts, and those that hate the country that provided them the sanctuary of freedom and liberty that allowed them with no life experience to write some code with daddy's trust fund money. And start a social media platform and make billions and bite the hand that feeds them and attack the citizens and the, and the veterans that defended them and created the sanctuary that allowed them to thrive into, into these billionaires. Uh, can we, can we afford to just look the other way and allow them to control the narrative? Can we afford to allow them to silence our voice and continue unchecked? Uh, I think that there need to be massive Lawsuits. I think there mm-hmm. need to be coordinated class action lawsuits. I think we need to bring some of these scumbags to their knees and give them a wake up call. I think the, some of these people are sheltered children who are billionaires, trust fund baby billionaires who are biting the hand that feeds them and they need a wake up call. They need to realize that they live by our dollars. They live by our service, uh, by, by our, um, our patronage, if you will. So I think, uh, it just needs to be a, an adjustment you know it, had they had any respect and just run it in good faith like any other business again there wouldn't have been a problem but look at the gross mismanagement we're witnessing now
2: yeah you're absolutely right Craig did you get a chance to see any of the Zuckerberg testimony on Capitol Hill
5: I have been very very busy I've walked kind of walked past the television a few times and I, I've seen him there
2: um, No, I'm just asking because
5: a very stiffly uh, refusing to answer the questions uh, the you know, reason I ask- uh, Like all of the, the liberal Democrats do anymore, they're asked direct questions and they realize that they can just talk around it. You know, Zuckerberg was not sworn in. He was not under oath, so he could say whatever he wanted to and nobody can hold him to account. So, uh, shame on them for not swearing him in and putting in uh, his hand on the Bible and, and swearing him in, uh, so that he could be held account for his lies. But, uh, what I saw was, was despicable, I thought.
2: Well, to me, see, he can't. He, he not Most of these people who who are in positions of power like him, come off as much more powerful or arrogant, whatever it is. And he didn't seem to have that yet. He did seem very squirrely. It, it almost seemed to me like, um, and this is just my own opinion, almost like he he's the face of uh, this organization and not really so much the brains behind it or or the power behind it. And I could be completely wrong, but just something seemed off about it. his whole body language, the way he answered questions the way he looked his his level of comfort uh, if you will and it just seemed something seemed off to me I, maybe i can't put my finger on it but he didn't seem like uh you know the built multi-billion dollar owner and founder of, of facebook i guess i will agree with
5: you there i will agree with you there joe uh and you may be right he may only be the face and not the the actual horsepower behind that that company uh, that empire. He may not be the one who runs it. I've seen a lot of people from the intelligence community point out the CIA's involvement in their creation of a, of a an identical program that I guess the day before Facebook launched uh, disappeared. Uh, and so a lot of people are speculating on what Facebook actually is, whether it's just a data mining um, front, and if that's all it was ever really intended to be. But um, you know, I, I think there needs to be accountability. I'm all for freedom of speech and and uh, man, if, and and free enterprise capitalism. Man, if somebody wants to make billions of dollars because they come up with a great idea that allows people to chat and share um, share stories and and images of their families with each other and stuff like that, I, I got no problem with it. The only time that I, that I see that's a problem is number one. Uh, I don't think anybody should be naive and think that your stuff's secure if you if you load it up on the on the internet you should ever assume that it's gonna be secure to begin with so i've I've always assumed that anything I put up's uh you know in the public domain so I think a lot of people would be better off having that uh, realization but but two um you know other than just the the hostile intent of gathering that data for for maybe uh, nefarious purposes uh when they start suppressing. One narrative and highlighting another, I mean, there, are, there are lists of examples all day long of, of violent criminals and, and especially predators, amoral sexual predators who are allowed to thrive on social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook. Whereas anyone that's, that's, you know, proposing that the American citizens defend themselves and stand up for the children, man, we,
2: Yeah, and the Backpage, Craig, when you came on, and and I didn't really understand what Backpage was until after that Friday, and you told us that it got taken down, and we saw the whole thing unfold with the two founders being charged with 93 counts from prostitution to uh, aiding human trafficking and also found out that these people were FBI informants and received an award from the FBI. One of the most interesting things about that whole case was The Women's March, the official Women's March organization, the the ones who wore the pink hats for the uh, counter-protest to Donald Trump's inauguration, came out in defense of Backpage and those same co-founders overlooking the child sex trafficking and child-selling that was going on there, completely ignoring that and saying that women's sex rights are women's health rights. Kind of like what they say with abortion, but it's just... uh, and I shouldn't be surprised by what these people do anymore, but I was taken back at, at the fact that they could have cared less about the children that were hurt through that website and through what those people were doing. Yep. They only cared about the right of a sex worker to be able to be paid uh, for her profession. It, it seemed just totally off base, and, and I don't see how anybody can resonate with, with the, those, those same sentiments. Anybody well, it is, soul.
5: Off, it is off base, Joe. Um, if you take into consideration that these people uh, did not have a loving mother and father, or they were traumatized children and their brains haven't fully developed and functioned uh, properly from that trauma, which is tragic and it's and it's heartbreaking, and I, and I I wish them healing, but I think we got to quit letting people be in charge who who don't have sound minds uh, because it's 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 harmful for the rest of us. Um, it's well go ahead. I had a thought and I lost it there well, for a second. I'll, you, I'll spit it out when it you, you
1: know, uh, I, no, it, it's it's when you when we look at today's environment, we look at the um the well we talk about pedophilia for example. It's it's a rough topic. The the the, 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 the to even think that there's people who would who would get off having sex with children. And then there's a satanic element to that. And, and, of course, many Christians, sorry, don't want to talk about that, don't want to touch it. But, you, of course, Vets for Child Rescue, you go out there and, and you actually do the job others don't want to do. And I and I want to just say thank you for that. Uh, and, by the way, anyone near Tucson tomorrow, um, what, you, what was the website there? Um uh, no uh, Tomorrow, 6 to 8.30, you can listen to craig sawyer in person if you're near tucson uh, i would recommend it but but he, but i think you hit it on the head though when you said that you know the, the disintegration the, the the deliberate disintegration of the american family um the biblical nuclear family one mom one dad nuclear family not 63 yeah. genders um uh-huh. not normalization of of you know uh, what was that, minor attractive persons, whatever that is. Uh, you know, Craig, we have become too tolerant. We don't have a problem with intolerance. We've got a problem with tolerance. Enough with the tolerance. <laughs> I, mean, the the right. I mean, they have a club. The man-boy
2: love club. Right. We deep. tolerate that, and, and this, these are things that we should not tolerate. And I, I want to make this point to Craig. While well, we were talking about the social media companies, one of the big things that happened during the 2016 presidential election with the release of the Podesta emails was the American public's eye-opening experience to these uh, people's inclination for art or what is called art but was really, uh, you know, painted portraits of of child sex abuse. And Instagram, of all places, which is owned by Facebook, was one of the main outlets where people found just droves of this content on all these different people who were identified through those emails that indicated that they were into this kind of... uh, uh, pedophile s- style of art. And, you know, that stuff is allowed. Meanwhile, you have what you're doing being shadow banned, what you're doing censored, They're trying to protect the children, trying to help them and, and save them. That is what's being banned. Yet that other content that these people, uh, the, the sick content, this perverted content, that's being elevated and left alone. And that tells us everything we need to know about these companies and about the, really the the direction of our society that we live in and we need to figure out how we can uh, turn that around and, and, and you know bring this back uh, into sanity. It's insane.
5: Yeah, well, 100%, Joe. And, and I've toured a lot of these big tech companies in the Silicon Valley, all the biggest name companies I've been in there and what they'll tell you uh, when they brag about welcome to this company or that, that one of the first things they tell you is the, is the level of perversion that they are are we're leading in the LBGTQRST uh, <laughs> movement, and and which means they hire more perverts than anyone else, um, of all types, and that that's one of the things that they're the most proud of. It's it's interesting to see the, the culture in these. It, it's a, like a it's like a tiny micro culture within the United States uh, that these companies harbor and create, and it's lot, almost like an experiment to see how how far off of the wholesome and normal and healthy standards of, of moral effectiveness they can get uh, in these organizations. And they want to put it under the banner of of being inclusive, but really it's just perverted and weird. Uh, they, they've gotten, you know, people use the word snowflake with how soft a lot of these youth have gotten. I, I've heard uh, descriptions of how softly the employees have to be talked to not only can you not tell someone that they made a mistake and that they have to correct themselves but you've got to word it so gently that you basically have to tell them they did a fantastically perfect job and that they're so awesome and that maybe just maybe in in the future that they could even search for a way to make it just a tiny little bit better and even still they fall apart and you've got this giant uh the catastrophe and the and the tears and they don't come to work for a few days and it, it's just it's ridiculous. <laughs> so there's a sick culture in Silicon Valley. They've gotten way off on a on a goat trail uh, that I think is, is is unhealthy and counterproductive. I'm all about including people that can't help how they look or how they walk or uh, any other thing, but but taking um, you know.
3: Rewarding highlighting
5: criminals or, or, or perverts or, or people that are doing things that are clearly harmful or unnatural or counterproductive and, and saying that that's awesome. You know, look how many, you know, ISIS terrorists we, we have. I mean, that wouldn't be a good thing because next thing you know, your, your, uh, your salad bar is getting blown up at, at lunchtime and because you're some, your employees aren't getting along. And I mean, hmm. there's certain things that we understand inherently as, as humans. So if you don't have, a loving mother and father to teach you and, and to raise you as a child. You're going to think that your 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 platform that that um, which the ones one of the ones that they take took off uh, backpage. You think that well backpage. You know if I'm a hooker on backpage, then they took backpage off. That that's that's my that's they're taking my health care away. <laughs> they're <laughs> oh, yeah. to keep them from from really looking at life honestly and, and straight intellectually. If you're not if your brain isn't fully developed. You're not healthy and wholesome. You can't make an assertion, an assessment and go, look, well, there's dozens of platforms out there. Nothing good and positive and legal was really happening on back I can, I can tell you that by observations, uh, from our investigations and operations against, uh, child predators and pedophilia. Uh, there's, there's all kind of other stuff. If you want to sell something, you want to sell a sofa and, and things like that, there's still Craigslist and all the others, but, uh, you know, some of them are, are worse than others, as far as just being sex industry and and getting any even into weird into the abusive
0: mm-hmm. end of
5: the sex industry. And it's um, how would these people know? How would they calibrate? It? They don't subscribe to God or any of the life life lessons of the Bible or the you know thousands of generations that have gone before us and and don't want to listen to any wisdom of their elders. They just want to make up life. On their own, well, then you can't expect them to have any better wisdom or or mental effectiveness than a child in an adult suit.
4: They're uh, a child
5: parading around in an adult costume.
1: Uh, Yeah, It's it's really
5: the effect that we get mentally. That's what we're seeing out of these people.
1: Amen, brother, and we're out of time. I want to thank you so much. Soldnomore.org for tomorrow night's event where Craig uh, is going to be a keynote speaker. That's soldnomore.org. It's a cooperative effort. Tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, Tucson, if you're around there, uh, register, sign up, go see Craig. Support this man. Vets for Child Rescue is his organization. Craig, thank you, brother, for being on the front lines of this fight. We really appreciate it.
5: Thank you, guys. I sure appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
1: All right. Folks, that'll do it for us tonight. The Hagman Report, great program. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, click the subscribe button on YouTube. Make them angry. Click the subscribe button as well as on BTR. And uh, follow us on our social networking platform until tomorrow. May God bless each and every one of you. Stay safe.